What's going on, everybody? Cali Death Podcast back once again, episode 97, here with uh, at least one resident homie with me tonight. We're, we're missing Joel and Joseph tonight, but Casey's with me tonight. What's going on, Casey? Hello. How are you? How are you, brother? Doing I'm good. Anthony, and uh, tonight, very, very special guest. Uh, had been on our list for a long time, and uh, we got it, got it, made it happen here we are here joined tonight with uh dan with my american accent mongering <laughs> hey he told me actually say say it the way that you're supposed to say it though mongering okay mongering but it's all good man yeah dude thank you so much for uh giving us your time tonight um thanks for having me if you guys don't know oh, obviously yeah, yeah. You, you should definitely check this dude out martyr voivod gore guts uh, another another word that i still don't know this has actually been a running uh debate in our camp for a while too is it cafarnam or cafarnam I, I i see it in french actually so i don't know cafarnam for me oh, so shit. um it's kind of a latin sounds word, so cool like that <laughs> <laughs> extra syllables up in there <laughs> But yeah, uh, the, all those great projects he has uh, graced, he has touched with his beautiful and extreme guitar playing. And yeah, dude, like I, uh, I was telling you pre-pod, I've, we've been fans of a lot of the <clears throat> things that you've been doing for oh, yeah. many, many years. Um, so thank you for, for coming on the show. More, and, more than 20 and years we've been fans wow. of, of your stuff, for sure. Yeah, dude. It's, it's like fundamental to us as like, one of the best bands it was always just like oh you know the canadian bands yeah you know martyr you know you know it was just like oh yeah dude they're like it was like the sickest you know well something about the something that was going on or is going on in canada like there's a very (laughs) unique and and wide variety of of original musicians and bands that come from canada and i a lot of the bands that I love from Canada are all totally different from each other. Yeah. Yet part of the same, you know, community. And I just, I always respected a lot of the Canadian bands that I came across because of that, you know, like there isn't a bunch of cryptopsies up there. There isn't a bunch you, of Marcus. You just up- can't, right? You just can't because the population is very uh, low compared to, let's say France or, or the US or and uh, so the audience is is not uh, numerous I mean uh, we're 40 million in the country so it makes every province um, uh, I mean uh, there's not a lot of people compared to the uh, the square kilometers yeah, <laughs> of the country yeah. that's what I mean so the density and um, so I mean, it comes also from from Voivod, which was my first influence. But I think they set up the standard as being different from anybody else. Right. And we had that influence and the prog rock of the 70s that was really, really strong, strong here. And then we have the influence of the United States culture and the, uh, I mean, in Quebec and um, also uh, the part uh, the rest of Canada, which is English speaking, being in Quebec was kind of it being in the middle of of all that and having influence from everywhere, and and also with the, the um, always in the back of the mind have the 
having the the will to be different but not forcing it at the same time but by necessity there's not much not many bands and the 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 cities you are playing are limited so you want to have something different you need to have something different for uh, to make people go to your show so yeah. i think it might explain a little bit of that uh, phenomenon oh totally that makes sense dude and i i love that that you know everything boiled up to that throughout the years you know canada has has like um marinated in this diversity and and trying to stand out you know so it's really cool and 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 you know i'll 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 admit right now that i've always heard about voivod i i had heard their music previously but you know having you come on the show this week has actually been like my first real download of Voivod's music, you know, and, and I literally every single day this week have been saying, why have I not been listening to the more of this band? Because yeah. it really is, a uh, it never, it always stays interesting. That's one great thing about Voivod. And, and, and I've only really dove in on the albums that you were on. Cause I wanted to brush up on what you had, been a part of specifically but you know with 15 16 albums they have out now I, I can't wait to even go dig deep further back but the that was one thing that stood out and and totally made sense to me because i've been a fan of cryptopsy martyr gore guts um unexpect and all these other different wow. projects that have come out of canada and i'm like it totally makes oh, yeah. sense that the godfathers of the metal scene up there is voivod you know <laughs> right it, it makes total sense like yeah you, you know what was the first album down. 84 or something i think so yeah yeah, yeah i was it, listening it, to it it's great too yeah, yeah. and it, it it was uh you know they uh we we uh we were witnessing them getting better and better after one album after the other and we were always waiting for the next album because we were always surprised about the direction they would take there's some albums if you if you if you play angel rat to someone who's not familiar with the voivod catalog and you play afterwards phobos or roar you can't really say it's the same band yeah you know it's totally different so they explored a lot and i i was always influenced by that not repeating the same thing over and over again and always trying to outdo yourself in the creating process and it it was always uh, something uh, like a challenge for me and something that uh, feeds uh, my inner uh, creative uh, uh, mindset uh, so to speak to to always try to push ourselves you know further and uh i think uh voivod influenced me in that uh, as a fan now i play with the band i play, i'm right. speaking like i'm i'm talking like i'm not in the band but i was a fan first right because voivod was uh the band uh, the first cassette that i bought i was 11 years old and i've heard of, of voivod just in the neighborhood people were screaming the words here and there mm -hmm. and uh, some at some point there was a, a tv show and i could see the distorted screen because we 
didn't have cable and I, I was watching a Voivod video and it was Ravenous Medicine in 1987. Uh, and uh, I thought, what the hell's going on? Because it was sounding different than everybody. So um, I went to the, to the store and bought the cassette and I fell in love with it. And uh, it, uh, it convinced me to buy a guitar and start a band, with, which I did. And it became Martyr, like three years later, at 14 year old, we started Martyr. Wow. So, so it was really the band that convinced me that it was possible because they were from Quebec and I didn't know at first. They were French Canadian like me and they, uh, they could tour and they could record albums and go international. And it was very motivating for me, uh, even though I didn't know how to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's let's go back before eleven, because you said you you bought that tape at eleven. So, yeah. um, what was what was uh, childhood like? Were your parents musical at all? Uh, my mother uh, is she's gonna turn eighty uh, <laughs> soon. Wow. Um, she still sings in a choir so she always uh oh, wow. as far as i can remember she was singing in a choir playing the piano a little bit playing the organ when she was a kid at, at the masses and stuff like that so uh she um really helped me to to know what's the right and wrong notes at an mm -hmm. early age mm -hmm. of around four i have a tape of myself singing and playing the piano with two fingers and uh, singing songs and by ear, I can, you know, transcribing uh, songs from t the TV. And I, I kind wow, of, really? yeah. So she was always like say, telling me it's right or wrong. And she was just singing the right note so I could learn. So she, she was the musician in the family for sure. Right awesome. on. Wow. That's cool. And, and so. I know Voivod was the first tape that you went and bought out, but but we uh, we like to ask like if you can remember a melody or a song, the earliest memory of music clicking with you is not just as a kid. You mean or yeah yeah the first like, memory? If you can yeah the earliest memory of when you music made you interested, like you you needed to go pursue what you were listening to and figure out what it was and it's really hard to answer but i, I know my uh i remember that uh, we had piano lessons at a young age not mm -hmm. so young but around seven eight but my my father uh, my brother who's a little bit older than me started and i just wanted to do like him and i was curious about playing an instrument but there was a piano at home and uh we would fool around with it so we it was kind of a curiosity and it was there it was just like a toy and you got curious and and it there was always my mother singing uh, something you know so it uh, it's hard to tell the first first but uh, it was always there you know the music was always there it was much more classical uh classical music not much mm -hmm. pop not much mm -hmm. prog or anything like that uh it was classical and choir sacred music yeah um mm -hmm. but uh then uh i think what really uh hooked me was more movie soundtracks as far as rock music you know distorted guitars and stuff oh, yeah. like that and then it l led me to learn to to look for heavier and heavier and heavier and it was kind of a 
the race towards the heaviest thing you could find at some that's point. awesome you yeah. said you, oh go for it casey hey, sorry is there like a specific soundtrack that you, you can well you know it's you know we we've all watched high of the tiger when we were kids oh, you know, dude, like totally. rocky and rock oh, yeah. like it was the mix of 70s and early 80s sound yeah. and oh so, yeah uh, and you know uh, the story about someone who's uh you know uh, working hard to to get to his goals and you know it's kind of inspiring stories like that right. and with the music it it made the the movie much more deep and and serious you know than it uh, so uh, i think uh, as a kid you get this kind of influence and it it helps you to um, to fix some goals and try to to achieve yeah achieve them yeah i remember like being like in like first or second grade and, and being like it was like the you know whatever the 80s and i was like highway to the danger zone is the coolest song i've ever heard <laughs> yeah that well, yeah, yeah, yeah i was, that's gonna bring up, I was just I was like that, that top gun kenny loggins dude fucking that's well, he, he wrote footloose also but yeah but um i was gonna say highway Tom, to the danger top zone is a joke earlier but actually no yeah. that's serious <laughs> that's all good the uh, good ones as well yeah for yeah. sure so all right you said you had a brother an older brother that was already planned yeah and uh we finally at some point after seeing voivod and you know being uh, discovering heavy music uh, we started to to cut into the woods and design uh, some fake guitars you know and at yeah, some point yeah. we we thought we played the piano might as well try to play the guitar and buy a real one you know mm -hmm. and we we were uh uh let's say we worked for our, our money and uh and uh we decided to buy real instruments at some point and we started the a band as a, two or three friends and after a while uh, it you know talking about it and um it became more serious and we were playing a lot like all the time learning the instrument it was like was your brother involved in this too yeah 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 my okay. brother was uh the bass player in martyr so Sick. we started the band oh. together oh. i was 14 it was 16. yeah mm -hmm. so was he uh, finding the heavier stuff was he finding it and then bringing it home to you or were you guys discovering it together it was together uh we had different tastes but uh uh actually uh my brother made made me curious about voivod too he, he was more into the dimension atros album and uh which was a, a year later and um yeah we we he was uh, he was a better musician uh, more advanced he was older than me so he had uh, more knowledge and all that so i was always wanting to catch catch up uh, where he was you know mm -hmm. uh, it was motivating for me and um so uh he, he, he made me discover slayer at the same time and maybe maybe a little bit later later but you know slayer metallica megadeth forbidden annihilator mm -hmm. uh testament uh all the barrier yeah. uh all the trash uh, mm -hmm. totally yeah. yeah and then you know it became heavier and heavier and death metal happened after that but it mm -hmm. was pretty much the 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 thrash metal scene that really uh, uh motivated us to sure yeah to, to, to start the band 
so that's kind of the style that you guys were playing in the beginning was the voivod slot and thrash kind of influence stuff i really like the the two guitars like the duel uh, duo duo duet mm -hmm. duel yeah. sure and, yeah, yeah. yeah and the solos uh, exchange uh are yeah. always like that i think uh, uh but i didn't know judas priest very well you know mm. I, I knew i knew they were there but i was more into the thrash metal scene and you had that in uh, in slayer and uh i'm and, seeing iron maiden like next week yeah yeah i'm excited dude yeah i always That's thought sick. that it was one of the best band in the world to to go see live and it's always uh, moving everywhere and i love where, where are they great. playing casey uh san diego chula vista I'm, I'm going down it's like a sunday like not this weekend it's like the weekend after what's the um, what, what's the venue it used to be called sleep train i don't know what it's called now they keep changing the name oh but, it's a, like a yeah a, an arena yeah it's a six spot i saw judas priest there actually like in 2017 i think maybe something like that and it was like the sickest thing i've ever seen in my life like i, I my first time seeing judas priest and wow i could not believe how good he sang i couldn't believe it I'm yeah like, he's, he's great i remember really? one of the, the first voivod show i did we opened for judas priest in montreal it was oh, in really 2009 and it was Sick. with kk still yeah oh yeah and uh Damn. it was amazing and i couldn't believe uh, he could sing like that and Dude. then in 2022 still he's uh, he's great I mean, Bruce oh, yeah. is great too. And I've seen Maiden twice. This is going to be my third time and stuff. But I, I mean, it's really good. I've seen like great singers. I've seen, you know, a lot of people. But I, when I saw Judas Priest finally, I was just like, bro, like, what? <laughs> like, are you kidding? That's, that's real. Like, he, he's doing that. And he's like 70. What the fuck? It was the most amazing thing I've ever heard. It was perfect, dude. Yeah. It was so sick. <laughs> but oh, yeah. That's so cool, man. That you open, man. Oh, that was that was something, yeah. You, you something you can check on the list. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good. That's really cool to hear that Marta was going. That was started while you guys were in high school. That's pretty fucking rad, dude. It, we were pretty young, I think, uh, but we we had a lot of energy to to focus. Uh, let's say that uh, uh, life uh, in the in the family was not easy and uh it uh, music and heavy metal uh made made uh was a refuge mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. for us to uh, put yeah. good energy into something constructive and it would have been easy to uh to do something bad and end up uh we, i mean uh uh in a bad situation but music kept us uh really focused and uh I put all of my energy into playing the guitar and practicing and uh, writing and try, you know, learning how to compose something. It's, right. it's uh, mm -hmm. uh, try and errors. And, you know, we were so motivated that our first drummer didn't know how to play the drums and didn't have a drum set. So <laughs> what we did is what we gathered the $60 together. And so we could rent a drum kit for a month and uh, it was in the basement, so I had to learn it to teach him afterwards. Wow! And wow. Uh, that's how uh, we were, did, you know, motivated. I don't know how to play the drums, but I will learn it to show it to you, the drummer. Right, and, right. And we started with uh, simple songs, and uh, yeah, 
finally after a, a year or, or so we played our first show and we had like two composition and a metallica cover you know like a lot of bands out there right right mm-hmm. yeah i remember at least half of my first sets were covers for sure mm-hmm. it's a great like... way to learn man yeah you, you play the songs that you like that you've listened to you know how to deliver them kind of mm-hmm. and uh yeah. yeah it's a great school it is no it, it's those are all the um lessons that we get as to what it's like to be a four three four five piece band everybody's got a part that they need to learn now we need to bring it together and actually you know mimic the song and when you get it successfully then everybody's high-fiving and everybody's you know got the adrenaline from getting through it you know and and that those are all like silent lessons of things like the only difference after that is playing your own compositions you know you already got the the baseline out of the way of of here's parts everybody needs to learn it play it together and then when you execute it right then you know then it even becomes more of a uh gratifying thing when you compose something yourself and then yeah. everybody executes it properly and yeah. then it's it's a different kind of feeling for sure and being a becoming an architect of sine waves and rhythms and it's a and it's a i think there's tools there's tools that you can learn to to compose but it's something that you have to work on by yourself and mm-hmm. learn try and errors and uh yeah, yeah it's, it is it's, an individual thing for sure because everybody's going to compose differently you could be frank zappa and just bury yourself in your basement for 16 hours a day or you can be the guy that kind of like picks up things and and works slowly and sculpts slowly but it, it's all a personal preference how much uh, what what um what techniques and and different things that you do as a composer help you get the most out of you you know what 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 is giving you the most output for you personally that's the whole thing yeah yeah so <clears throat> i'm curious like what other influence because you like with your solos and stuff like it's like such a really cool like out of this world like way of exploring like like jazz things and like you know out stuff and whole tone and crazy and all these things like so perfectly orchestrated like it's like you're like the danny elfman of death metal or something you know? like, <laughs> some crazy and i've always it's like for 20 years i've felt that way i mean wow. the first and I'll, I'll just say i mean i might as well say it right now the first time i saw you play was with uh Gorguts in uh um what was it it was either, i think a 2001 i think was the year or 2000 or 2001 yeah makes sense I, like I was like yeah. 24 year old yeah wow yeah and i was like you know 17 or 18 and 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 i uh, saw you in la at the whiskey and i saw you with gorgas on, on the from wisdom to hate tour and uh it was just like I was like, we were just like that guitarist, dude. What? Like, you know, I couldn't yeah. believe it, dude. And you were like doing all this cool stuff and, the brrr, and just shredding. And like, we were blown away. Oh, my friend David, he's on here right now. So he also played in the band Odious Morden with, with Anthony back in the day, but he was there at that show with wow. me. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah so, man. dude, that was Good the first memories. introduction to your playing. I remember me. that tour. Yeah. I could barely speak English. Uh, really? I really learned it during that tour. You know, I, I could understand a lot, but I couldn't speak because we we always speak French here, and I'm, it's my first language. And uh, going on tour has uh, helped a lot with the language. Still That's has awesome. trouble though, but <laughs> but yeah, yeah, remember that that for me it was my first tour. I was very excited. At the same time, I was living a kind of exhaustion, professional exhaustion from uh, having too much too many bands at home and working too many hours at the guitar shop. So my plan was I have to get out of here, and we went. We wrote an album and went on tour, and it was quite uh, an experience because I after that tour i just wanted to go back again you know like mm -hmm. when you go out there and play music every day and you play your own composition and and uh that's your band name on the marquee right. uh, it's such a cool feeling and uh was surreal I, I i got hooked right away about about it yeah yeah so let before we get up to that time in the timeline i want to go back because i want to talk about those first couple of compositions that martyr had what what style would you say that those first couple of songs you guys wrote what would you compare it to uh, well the, the first demo that never was uh, i think really uh, out there uh was uh was austro goth or something before that we had another demo but we were kids like I think we were 15, 16 year old. And uh, I remember we went to a studio and the guy didn't know how to mic a double kick drum. Hmm. So he put the mic between two, two, the two <laughs> bass drums. <laughs> oh, really? And, a, oh, and really? a mic on top. And that was it. And we recorded the guitar first and without a click. So <laughs> to, to record everything and be, uh, I didn't even think about the tempos and all that. So it was not straight line. And then the drummer <laughs> tried to record on the guitar, which was like this, and uh, he uh, kind of managed it, but I was not satisfied. So I entered the studio without telling him and I played the drums on it. Oh, man. <laughs> and I, I don't think oh, he, he knows. I was, I was just about to ask you, like, did he ever find out after? <laughs> I just hope he never watches this episode. One, one time he said to me, I think I never played that fill before. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. But then uh, there was a, the other demo, uh, Ostrogoth, I think. And uh, it was more uh, death metal oriented. Uh, the 90s was happening and uh, mm -hmm. you know all the death metal bands of Florida scene. Right. And uh, I, I thought we didn't sound heavy enough. Uh, we sounded more like uh, the Bay Area still, you know, and uh, we had very strange uh, sentences in, in our in our songs like the lyrics were you could tell we were not uh, english uh, speaking, <laughs> yeah, speakers yeah. so uh, we worked hard on that and uh, we tried to change our sound and uh, we saw a couple of uh, very good band live like oblivion from quebec which inspired oh, us sick. i love that yeah band. and they sounded really great live and that's where i under i understood uh, by seeing them that okay we need to uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. get better and better and change our sound and our attitude towards uh, this kind of music. So 
and at the same time, I was frustrated with some of the death metal because for me, some of it sounded like garbage to my ear. And yeah. uh, it was like sure. too much for me to grasp. You know, it was more of a shock. So, um, um, so I started to fool around with a song called Ostrogoth, with, which is a joke. It, it was uh, something I did uh, to laugh at the style, really. <laughs> it was like, uh, let's take a phone number in the, in the phone book and do a riff with it, with the numbers, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and try to write lyrics that sounds like Satanist or something like that with gore and, you know, <laughs> nonsense. And it became our, actually our uh, visit card. <laughs> <laughs> to show to play shows and people uh, started to enjoy the band because of that song so i i'm happy uh, about writing uh, <laughs> that's having... funny man so yeah. martyr started as kind of like a, a a response to what you guys are feeling about what was going on in death metal at the time we just didn't get it mm. it's yeah. not it was bad it's just our brains were not ready for it and sure. then we kind of got it and then bands like oblivion influenced us influenced us but then there was death and there was cynic sure you know and yeah. uh, meshuga came out a bit later and uh now there was something interesting more proggy and in, in uh more intricate and because of voivod years back i was always on the intricate side and odd time signature and surprising tempo change and stuff like that so I thought it's possible to uh, to put the two together, like the the death metal sound and then the, mm -hmm. the more intricate and complex music with more harmony and dissonance and twist and turns oh, and stuff so like sick, that. Man. So we became obsessed uh, in creating uh, something like that. And uh, if you listen the whole discography of Martyr, it's complex and then it becomes more complex. Yep. And the last yeah. one is crazy complex crazy complex sure. yeah. so yeah. uh but that I, actually goes in line with you know the whole voivod and and just like being different and new with each thing that you put out like that's i also got that feeling from martyr because again like voivod never loses that voivodian feel you know, yeah. same with Martyr, but each album is its own entity. And, yeah. And you really see that progression that you were just talking about. If you listen to Hopeless Hopes, then Warp Zone, then Feeding the Abscess, it really is this like exponential increase in various aspects of your, your composing and, and the execution of all the musicians that are on those albums as well yeah we and we there was many years between albums too so i think uh it shows you know as a musician you evolve uh, year after year in the voivod the early days they put out an album every year but you could see the evolution was really big but then uh the the music we wrote with martyr was such a headache to um you know, it was a puzzle at the end. You know, it, there was a <laughs> we could work two year on one song. You know, yeah, like yeah. Uh, the, the opening track on uh, "Feeding the Abscess." I think I finished just right before recording, but I started it two years prior and always changing something. It was right, really like a million 
pieces puzzle to put together so the image could be uh, perfect mm -hmm. the more you put like the more you put elements like rhythmic elements and dissonance in a song uh it becomes more and more difficult for the song and the riffs and the ideas and the music to sound right because it it can become muddy very easily so hmm. i think the the most important is to write parts that works together when you go down that path uh you cannot yeah. uh and and the playing is very important too it's a right. sur surgical playing you cannot miss the the target because it's gonna get muddy right away Mm -hmm. So that was the difficulty of getting more and more complex in the music. Uh, right. Sure. But uh, yeah, I don't know where I was before that. No, that's, <laughs> that's fine, dude. We, we're, uh, we're just back on your timeline. But I was going to mention real quick, because you were saying that it took you two years to do that opening track. I remember uh, a demo version of that song being leaked online. Yeah. And I got a hold of it, and and I, that made me super excited for the new martyr. And then it was, you know, some time before it actually came out. And then I was like, oh yeah, they they not only sped this song up, but they added even more parts and changed parts that I like even better about the song. So it's like, it doesn't matter how long it takes an artist to finish a composition, a album. It's it's when the artist feels the best about putting it out. And obviously it's like you've improved it over that time. So Voivod's one album a year deal, that's not a normal thing. Dude. Back in the day it was though. Every yeah. band was like that, you know, but they, they were really busy and uh, they were touring and they were writing during the tour and... Uh, trying the new songs during the tour nobody was recording them so it was kept secret <laughs> yeah and then they go right in the studio and you know it was another era but uh but yeah we it's a good and a bad thing to have too much time <laughs> between albums yeah. and not being on a big label without pressure of you know putting something out and uh, uh but you never want to record a song when it's not ready uh, you know yeah mm -hmm. yeah at the worst you keep it for another album but you you only go with something that's completed and you're proud of i don't want to put my picture or my name on a, on an album that i'm not proud of the music totally that's on it uh, doesn't matter it, it doesn't work for me so, of course absolutely yeah so let's go back to the demo days again so you said we got to ostrogoth and how many songs was on that i don't remember maybe four or something four like that five. and four. and were you guys um doing just a bunch of local gigs at the you started to to widen a little bit because we uh, we got asked to play and instead of calling and convincing people to play so we uh, build our crowd but sometimes we uh, produce the show most of the time and we had to go put posters on the poles and 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 businesses and all that during the winter and um we worked a lot so for every shows we would go many times because you know the poster get uh people take it, uh, down. Take it yeah. down and you have to do the whole run again so we would drive two hours to quebec city and to put posters everywhere everywhere with friends and then the next week the same thing and for four weeks in the, the row and then play quebec and it was 
pretty packed, you know, and we did that with every shows we could. Uh, unless it was like five hours away, we would always take care of it. And we uh, we grew a fan base and then uh, people talked about it and it was, you know, the internet was not so developed at the time. So uh, it was really uh, word of mouth and uh, it yeah. started to grow and uh, and we could play uh, the whole Canada, the whole country. Uh, we did a few festivals in the US, maybe two or three. I think three, but that's it. We didn't never played Europe. We never got out of here, but it was kind of, uh, it was a, quite impressive to have this following though, with this kind of extreme music, even in the metal, we were considered a little bit of an extreme thing, even though it was not a blast beat all over the place or, you know, super extreme um, death metal. It was extreme in another way in the technicalities in the musicality in the harmony we were really conscious about um, the chords and the harmony and the, the dissonance you know it was not just like you place your finger here and here and it buzz you know we we got uh, deeper than that right right so what about um like first were did you guys open for any tours that would come through canada and stuff like that too is that yeah the we beginning? Yeah, at some point we we opened for, I mean, just one off Napalm Death and then uh, Overkill and uh, Brutal Truth and, and bands like that. Today is the day. Uh, nice. When they were around, so they they I, we 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 had those calls, you know. Oh, there's that band from the U.S. You want to open for them? Yeah, sure. But then we realize, you know, we have to to do more to get out of here. But we we had those calls with. And uh, we took a lot of experience of uh, watching those bands who were used to touring and uh, were uh, wa road warriors. Right. It was fun. Uh, to what year is that? What year did the Ostrogoth come out? Was it 95? Yeah, I was going to say 95. Yeah. So, and um, Hopeless Hopes was 97, right? Hopeless Hopes, 97. So uh, we the, some of the songs on the demo Astragat ended up on Hopeless Hopes, but we wrote most of the album uh, in '96, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was working uh, then. I was working in a guitar music shop, uh, so I was selling guitar amps and strings, and so I met a uh -huh. lot of musicians there. And I was getting gigs as a guitar player for singers and some cover bands and uh you know yeah. pop artists and i was so i was that's before the exhaustion <laughs> i was talking mm -hmm. about earlier so uh it was kind of the meeting point of all the musicians in the in the area and uh, bands would drop by and uh and nice uh, it was a, lear a great learning experience and just to be there and trying to sell something to someone i was very very shy so it developed my social right. attitude aptitudes too and uh we borrowed uh, we actually rented um recorders called adat back then yeah adat or whatever ADAT, ADAT. Yes. yeah I, i've recorded on that before Ca whatever. video cassette you know that uh, yeah, was yeah. eaten by the machine <laughs> yeah yeah totally it was a lot so we we, we rented two for a very good price because i was working there and we mm -hmm. uh, rented a soundcraft console and uh, uh -huh. that's with what we recorded, uh, Hopeless Hopes. Uh, 
and we had a click track oh, okay. pr programmed yeah. and uh it was in the basement of the family house and we uh and used... You, you, you used a click track back then yes uh my brother uh was kind of a computer nerd wow. and uh so we figured out how to do it with all the tempo changes and all yeah. that. I guess it makes it was ninety seven or ninety six. Did you record it? Ninety six, probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It sounds great. I, I I listened to that entire album today, and I was like, God, I love this album. I, I've always loved Hopeless Hopes. Like, I, mean, I love them all, but that album just is. It's like kind of my favorite still. I don't know. Like, I just we, love. I it remember so. we mixed it in the in the school i used to go like college mm -hmm. and we were four four three or four people on the console taking notes and uh mixing with the you know oh you have to push the auxiliary auxiliary up there to to seven and then turn it down and push the slider mm -hmm. up here to five and pan the guitar that way and <laughs> we were there was a choreography of mixing sure wow. and, yeah uh, and then the the internet was uh, just uh, out, and we had the computer in college, and you, mm -hmm. we 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 tried to go see a band's website, but it took forever just to download the image of the logo, you know. And uh, yeah, good memories. Yeah. And totally. I remember as as well the the cassette, the demo you're talking about earlier. We would go to the same college and use all the cassette tape recorder and put it in series. And put a cassette and put the yeah. master in front of the chain and copy all the demos. Wow. <laughs> so that's we, cool. We and we we got a uh, crazy, we yeah. got uh, scolded, or uh, they told us, hey, You don't, you can't do this. It's uh, the library of the college, you can't use every tape. You know, people want to use them. <laughs> Just a few uh, minutes, <laughs> so it yeah. didn't cost anything to copy our cassettes and we could sell them. And, uh, Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice, dude. Hey, well, yeah, it's like uh, uh, Kinko's people always used to, uh, for like printing CDs up and stuff like that, they'd have scams to where they can get in and do it for free somehow. That's if you're DIY, you exactly. got to figure out your way. You, you, don't you, have a, you don't have a penny, you have to make it happen, you know. Exactly. So hopeless hopes was an independent release in the beginning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. Because I I know that was reissued on Galley Records, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but I I think I have an original copy where it's not really. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And because it was it reissued before that Cryptopsy tour that I caught you on. I don't really remember. There was not much, uh, not many reissues. There was one in Europe and then uh, one here. So uh, it's possible that you have uh, the one with the black, uh, <laughs> black yeah. side on the. Yeah, on the, yeah, yeah. That's original. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, no, I love. I, I'm a collector, so I like to have the original. And actually, buying it from you, I was helping you on tour too, so that made me feel even better because cool. you're you're out with Cryptopsy at the time, and and mm. they, I, I thought that's really cool that they let you sell marta yeah Marder cds at the cryptopsy table yeah that's mm -hmm. cool because i got almost in trouble with it uh, crossing the borders you know yeah. bring, bringing cds but uh yeah uh, it, it was kind of a uh promo promotion cds you know with uh, the code bar uh with holes in it and all that but, yeah uh, 
you know, it made it. So I'm glad. <laughs> That's what we said too when we went into Canada. It's just promotional stuff, guys. We're not going to. Yeah, it. back in the day, we didn't have uh, permits and uh, you know. Uh, yeah, visa, so. visa, uh, tour, tour visas, right? Is that what you? Yeah, or no work visa. You, going into Canada, yeah. you need but, to get a work but visa. We, we went to tour and we came back with less money than we had. So sounds like a death metal tour, dude. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just for the experience, really. Exactly. That's really what it is, and and um, being yeah. on stage is worth it. If as long as you're not coming back and homeless, then it's all worth it, dude. Because performing music for people is got to be some of the greatest highs i've ever had in my life you know that's why we want it again and again and again it's an addiction really mm -hmm. I, i'm sure it is i mean how i played very different gigs you know with different artists but i mm -hmm. always come back to metal because the adrenaline of a metal show and performing and the mm. crowd and the volume and there's yeah. something it's like an extreme sport you you want to have that fix again it's right. just, uh, and i i also believe in just yeah like you were saying about the crowd and all there's an energy that happens in in these you know smaller tight packed venues when it comes to underground music because everybody's there because they want to be there it's like there's there's rarely a person that's buying a ticket to a metal show that they don't know what's going to happen or who the band is on on the uh on the flyer that night or whatever it, it literally is just metal heads coming together and it it exerting the energy that everybody's going to feel that night and it's mostly positive you know yeah. How, there's rarely a time where i've gone to a metal show and i've just been like yeah the, the vibes here kind of is it's not cool you know it's usually a, a thing like a welcoming situation where everybody is like yeah dude let's just let's just let all our inhibitions down yeah that. let's 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 yeah. get sweaty let's get smelly let's drink some beers let's bang our heads let's you feel like you belong you know like yeah it's a it's a great meeting point and uh and uh we were talking before doing this like uh, there's a lot of underground places that are closing around the world yeah and we really need them to you know we, we need to protect them and and make events and keep the scene alive because there's a lot of you know i remember as a teenager because i mean it, it was the best place to be the place that i felt like myself and yep. the place like I, I could you know like you said go crazy whatever you know mm -hmm. it was let loose yeah let loose yeah and, well, and i like i like to give a shout out real quick I like to give a shout out, rest in peace to Rico's Taco Shop in Encinitas, California. Mm. Um, that like was a, a bit, little to me. That's like there. a venue closing to me. Yeah, yeah. It's like a. It's been. Oh like wait, no, it's actually just years. a restaurant. You went there, Rico's Taco Shop. You took me there when we were down there. It closed, dude. I'm like sad. I'm like upset. That it's is that, cool. that is sad, dude. Anyways, but yeah, but venues closing. Same thing. It's just. Well, yeah, it's that that whole sanctuary aspect. We were talking about the pound because that's when I had seen Dan play, and and just like, yeah, dude, it 
every week was I'm going to deal with all this bullshit, school, work, you know, whatever. Every, it doesn't matter because Friday night I'm going to the pound, you know, or I'm Saturday night, it's fucking Black Dolly murder, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. and, and that was, that was my main focus was to get to the end of the week to go to a show and, and see all the people, all the regulars at the pound, like, Oh dude, we're, we're, it's just a great feeling to have a place like that. That's why it's sad. You know, when Dan says that places like these are closing around the world, because I, I want the next generation to have a, a place where they get that feeling like I did and so many other people did in, in their areas too. But it, unfortunately, like totally. things are changing and and yeah. money, money, cash is king. So it's like it's it, it's harder for us to have those or these younger kids to have those places, especially in like the Bay Area now. Like I don't yeah, even know man. really what kind of place in the Bay Area you would compare to the pound today because everything there else was a place we played with voivod uh, four years ago or so uh, we toured with revocation and uh, it was near san francisco anyway in california and i don't remember exactly where but they they let kids uh, skateboard during the day inside of it and then there was a show and the guy the owner is a was a I don't know, maybe in his 60s or so, and he let the kids do whatever they want, and it was really uh, inclusive and and heartwarming to see that, and uh, the show was crazy. The the kids were there, older people, of course, and uh, and uh, that's one of the most insane stage dive show that I've been uh, witnessing since uh, many years. At, at that show, I don't know if it rings a bell for you guys but it's in california somewhere well the places they usually have now is like berkeley oakland sacramento i hear cupertino starting to book some shows but it probably where you're thinking it might have been the oakland metro it was not in oakland though no Uh, no but no, I don't know. Maybe. But it was great, though. I really like that place. I'm pretty mm. sure it's still there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure that San Francisco, when I say the Bay, I'm really talking San Francisco. There are other places that are still having tours come through, but it, mm. you will notice that if, if there's a new tour coming out, most of the time the Bay Area adjacent sphere is not on that list anymore. It's either Sacramento or L.A., you know? And it's because of all these venues that we're talking about that have unfortunately, you know, met their demise. Mm. We have to keep the scene going and uh, and uh, you know make yeah. make uh, events happening so it it's 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 alive and well. And uh, I guess it's going to help. <laughs> was it was it Petaluma? Was it Phoenix Theater? Shout out, David. Yeah, yeah, th- that's it. That's it. Okay, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, they. I've I've actually played that place too. It is a, a that's a nice. good venue. Thanks, David. Hell yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. All right. So now with hopeless hopes, was it just you were just saying mainly Canada, getting around yeah. Canada, a few festivals in the in the states. Yeah. How how long did that last before we you played guys the we played the Milwaukee Metal Fest in '98? It was the 
the new uh, death album i mean uh, sounds of perseverance was not out yet but uh. it was the new line lineup and they played some some of the songs and mm -hmm. it was the first time Meshuga play in the states and i witnessed that Whoa. i remember Damn. they were crazy good and we we knew them already Sick. and they uh, they were uh, they influenced us back in back then and uh, i think uh, king diamond was there too and uh, i met chuck that day and i met uh, it was a whole weekend and i mm -hmm. met andy larock as well yeah uh, wow. who plays on a death album yeah uh, oh, we love it. so yeah. uh met some yep. heroes there and i gave uh, to chuck a hopeless hope cd wow. yeah and cool. that's a good uh, feeling dude that's always a good feeling where you, yeah. you meet a hero and you get to hand them what you've been doing you know yeah it's 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 i i don't know you know you never know you you assume that he won't listen to it, but you, you give it anyway and you hope for the best. But it was just meeting, uh, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a hero and uh, just playing the same festival as Death with Martyr. And we played that noon. We were like all these this uh, time on the road to play uh, 50, 25 minutes at noon on this Saturday or Sunday. Right. I don't remember. But finally, when we uh, the band before us, they played, there was nobody in the room. And when we get on stage, people were running uh, during our old set, and there was maybe 500 Damn. people there. So Killer. we were really happy, and we had to cut the last songs because it took too too much time to set up the drums. But it was a great experience. Though. Yeah, we had a good feeling. We had a, a mention in Metal Maniacs back then. Uh, so uh, yeah, nice. <laughs> so okay, and that was '98. You said so. Um, how long when did uh warp zone come out we started to write in, in 98 99 and we recorded in 2000 and uh, we went to a real studio that time with pierre Remiard, who was the guitarist for oblivion he was working in a studio in montreal mm. so we mm. recorded the drums and the rhythm guitars there and we mm. did the vocals and the solos at the, the family house and uh it was more much more professional uh, though during the recording of the vocals, uh, lack of experience, the speakers of the, I mean, the, the studio speakers were far from the microphone, but not far enough. So there was a leak between mm. the studio monitors and the vocal microphone. And uh, that kind of affected the, the mix. And we it was really hard even to remaster it because of... Uh, mm. And uh, it was not Pierre's fault. It was uh, another guy who was taking care of it. And mm -hmm. I didn't have enough experience back in the day. So uh, I had this a doubt about it. I mentioned, I mentioned it, but uh, mm -hmm. it was supposed to be okay. Anyway, I'm, I'm really proud of this album. Uh, we, we didn't have much time to record, but I'm proud of the songs on this yeah. album. And uh, we no, sure, really yeah. um, put more um, jazz colors in the solos and... Uh, Mm -hmm. more complex stuff and um, and a lot of trades too uh, of solos and uh I, we had a lot of great melodies too i mean I, I, just to talk about one song virtual emotions there's mm. there's oh, some classic yeah yeah that that song i i've listened to it 100 plus times with my younger brother and just air drumming and and head banging in my room to this this song and and there's something about 
an extreme technical form of music that can still and it's funny that we're talking about virtual emotions that grab you emotionally you know mm. it like there's parts in that song that actually bring up an emotional feel that you wouldn't normally get from an extreme mm. metal are you saying that we're virtually talking about virtual emotions <laughs> we are virtually <laughs> talking about emotions right now dude it's one, it's one this is exactly what we're doing right now, actually. Uh, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm so old, I remember when Warp Zone came out. Yeah. <laughs> you know. What do you mean? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, dude, that's yeah. how much of a legend you are, though. Dude, seriously, like, it was like, to me, it's like, there's people that are like, there's like Paul Gilbert, Marty Friedman, Jason Becker, Ron Jarzenbeck, Dan Mongrain. Like, I mean, for ah. me. No, Dude, that's, how we, that's how we look Dude, at you, bro. Man, you are... Jason Becker is is one of my idols for sure. And uh, yeah. when I was a 17 year old, I started transcribing the whole uh, Perpetual Burn album, which I still have the manuscript. And uh, I learned every lick, every song with a cassette tape. I transcribed wow. it, so wow. I didn't. I could not uh, slow it down or anything. You know, it mm -hmm. was. You had this automatic. Uh, manual uh, abilities you know just <laughs> yeah. pause rewind pose uh, whatever and uh, it was sure. uh, i've learned a lot doing that and i'm, I'm not saying it's all accurate but uh, i did the whole thing and uh, another guitar wait, player wait you did the whole thing like the the album did i wrote you? i wrote i transcribed it on paper i still have it I, I showed it to uh, jason uh, because he was, he got aware of it because of uh, the interview I made in the Guitar World this year with uh, Greg uh, Prato. And uh, wow. And uh, Jason, uh, Jason got uh, heard about it. And uh, so I, sh I sent him on his uh, page, Facebook page. And so he, wow. he saw the manuscript, just a, a picture of a few pages. But uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, Jason is, was a, big influence in the into the you know you could play fast and have a lot of feel yeah a lot of feel in in it and uh yeah it, it's it was out of this world that guy wow and, oh uh, yeah i mean i as just a vocalist perpetual burn still like i love listening to guitar players and i can get to a certain point where i you know how you were talking about you know speaking english uh, how you could understand it but you couldn't really speak it that's how i feel about music wow i, I i'm not a musician i can but i can understand the complex languages you guys are speaking with each other i just can't speak it back to you you know and jason becker was one of those guys where i i loved listening to him and i could understand what was going on but if you asked me what was going on, I wouldn't be able to tell you what was. But going music on. is an emotion, uh, you know, texture, feel, rhythms, and and Jason was, I mean, he's really yeah. good at it. He creates a landscape. It's a painting. It's it's mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You, you hear sheets sure. of sounds like John Coltrane, you know, or that's yeah. why I was hooked uh, on Alan Holsworth uh, guitar playing as well. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's texture. It's the yeah. gesture of the the lick. It's not like I'm doing tapping here very fast uh, mm -hmm. or whatever. It's not like about technique at all. It's just about art and expression. 
Sure. So, so the, 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 the fast playing is at the service of the image you want to share or, or um, exprime, uh, express mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and not the other way around. You don't want to show up your fingers going really fast because it's really impressive to see or, uh, right. you know, it's not the goal. The goal is what you mm -hmm. hear. <laughs> so hundred percent, yeah. man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's super inspiring uh, to listen to. Uh, so what are your like top 10 guitarists, favorite guitarists? Like, I top 10 know. that's a big 10 that's top, a big top, top 50 and it's all it's always changing really i want to go and, like a uh, wide range well i i a top few five. days ago what happened to me is i bought a ticket for pat Metheny, uh yeah. concert last year and it was postponed so i went mm -hmm. last sunday to montreal i went to see pat Metheny with the trio nice. It was amazing. It was the first time I saw it, saw him live, and there was a mm -hmm. lot of interaction, conversation, musically between uh, musicians. It was just perfect. Then there were the, the other two musicians was maybe in their thir early thirties, pretty young, mm -hmm. and they were ripping. You know, they were burning. Yeah. And uh, just after that, uh, my friends from uh, Revocation uh, texted me during the day, "Are you in Montreal? We're playing at yeah. the Fufuns Electric." The same night, I was like, "Man, I, I have this ticket. I have to go see Pat Metheny." And uh, <laughs> but the two venues were side by side, so after the the Pat Metheny concert, I went to see them. So I catch maybe half of the set, and Luke Lemay was there. So we oh, met, and yeah. it was a great night. Well, that's right. Um, I saw the picture. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like you know meeting uh, other the other bands and and all that, and we nice. it just felt like a big bubble of respect mutual respect and the fans that were there and that the ambience was great uh, at the revocation and they play great they such they're such yeah. a tight you know machine the drummer yeah. is insane uh they they put put on a, a great show it sounded really really good so um anyway back to guitar players mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. And Dave is great, is a great guitar player, yeah, great Dave, musician. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I I really hate that top tens uh, our list, but uh, <laughs> I can put uh, of course uh, Jason Becker, Alan Holsworth changed my whole perception of the instrument and and music in general. But not only his solo playing, but his chord playing mm -hmm. and his mm -hmm. rhythm sense as well. He's yeah. floating over. He's, he's not playing. Totally. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's not subdivisions, you know, it's really like floating. I really cool. like that. It influenced me a lot. And uh, John Schofield, Metheny, Osnoy, uh, uh, guitarist, uh, jazz guitarist who perform mm. uh, mostly in New York, I think. Mm. Uh, um, another uh, jazz guitar player. Um, oh my God. I forgot his name. I, I slips my mind right now, mm -hmm. but uh, I, uh, Scott Henderson, of course, um, mm -hmm. uh, Emily Remler, uh, really a great uh, guitar player. Um, oh yeah, she yeah. sadly passed away uh, in the eighties, I think, or early nineties. But uh, she was great. Mm -hmm. um, what else? Um, uh, it's it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to pick i want to yeah. say i, I want to give a quick shout out to max max anomalous he's in the chat right now and 
he's been uh, active on the chat and and saying a lot of great things about you dan and also there he is right there yep and hey. uh Hi, Max. <laughs> but he's also um, a big Holdsworth fan, so it's cool to to for him to have those have you as a big influence and Holdsworth as, as an influence, and then now being able to talk to you and finding out that wow. Holdsworth is also an influence oh, with you. Yeah. And and it's funny that it, Holdsworth's name isn't spoken more often in the metal mm -hmm. community when you really think like. There's so much like you could tell that Cynic was influenced by yeah. it, and 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 Meshuga, Meshuga, and all yeah. these different bands were influenced by this guy. But I didn't really hear his name until story you know, of his life. I guess uh, it's it's very very you know peculiar. Is that the right word? Uh, word particular uh, particular music. Uh, it's very niche. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's not yeah, for the, for the sure. mass, and uh, but the people that knows knows, and uh, mm -hmm. we always yeah. want to share it. So share the the love of uh, Alan Olsworth and his musical world. <laughs> mm -hmm. he, he had his own universe. He reinvented the theory in his own way because he didn't know. Uh, he was self thought and uh, and. Uh, uh, something that surprised me all the time is when he says in an interview that he counts music in one. <laughs> <laughs> There's no seven or 13 or, you know, it's all one. <laughs> wow. Just that is amazing. That's, well, you kind of being self-taught as a guy like that, it almost, it really does make sense to me because if, you weren't self-taught uh, and i'm not saying this is like what i'm what i'm trying to say is if you're taught first then you already they're already putting up boundaries you know there's already it's, walls being put up and and if you're not so if you're not taught by anybody else you're self-taught you kind of you make your own boundaries you know that's very interesting uh, because as a teacher, um, I I totally get what you're saying, uh, but I think everybody is self-taught, even mm -hmm. though you go uh, learn something in a school or college or whatever, life, mm -hmm. you know, we're all self-taught. We decide what we do with the information we get. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that. That's super smart. And And I think when you when you have guides and guidelines, people show you one way. doesn't mean yeah. it's the way, but some, some stuff in music are just science. Some stuff is just math, mathematics. Some stuff you, you have to learn if you want to reach the point where you can write for a string quartet or a brass quintet or a symphonic orchestra. You know, you, you have to know your science. Yeah. You have to yeah. know how to write music, how to, to speak the, the language it's a language that's mm -hmm. cool dude. so i think anyway you have 10 different people going to the same class and it's not gonna end up the same mm -hmm. you know so, uh, and the people that study harder and have experience outside of school and they're always working their and their craft they're gonna go somewhere but if you 
like you said, if you stick just to the rules and you don't think outside the box, that's where the the problem is. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's like you have to learn the rules to know how to break them, right? That's right. I think. Well, I mean, so. you don't have to, but but th that's the concept. It, like, if you learn the rules, you can just shatter all those. You know, if you don't know the rules, you'll break them, of course. So yeah, yeah, exactly. there's there's good in in both sides, I think. But the, right. I don't think the the rules are there to put you in a box. There, right. you don't. Maybe we have a conception of rules as too rigid. It's just guidelines, really. Mm -hmm. I think yeah, that. dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, that that actually makes more sense. And I know that I was taking like a definitive stance of like, oh, walls are put up. But I mean there are certain guidelines that you should follow because if you want to be completely outside of the box, you could just be this guy who's banging on your guitar with your car keys and like, this is music. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, but people are not, you know, people are intelligent and they know where it's uh, bullshit and when it's good think, and it's worked out. I trust the audience. Dan, what do you think about like, so with okay so like students that like almost kind of like they just get like lazy because it's like oh you just teach them the song for them you figure out the song for them you tune their guitar for them you change their string for them and they just don't know how to do any of that stuff mm -hmm. and they're getting into high school they still don't need how to change a string or to do anything for themselves or even how to work their amp it's like become this kind of like you know like how do you feel about that sometimes and of course there's the other students that are like are super into that and, and are self-motivated you know but it's almost yeah. like if you do too much sometimes or just a certain personality i don't know what do you think about it? i think it's a uh, different personalities but uh mm -hmm. i think some teachers really like to be loved <laughs> you, you, yeah you're not always the you you have to play different roles like uh, i'm i have no kids i i don't have a family of my own that i mean you have to be the bad guy once in a while you yeah. have to to tell it when it's wrong or when it's yeah, bad yeah. and where the the guy didn't practice, didn't do homework. Um, right, right. It's important to tell the truth, you know. And uh, and anyway, most of the time they know that they didn't, right? You know, they didn't do enough or whatever. You just confirm it. And uh, right, it's like right. uh, showing the the dog his poo <laughs> at the wrong place. You know, <laughs> you have to do it. But uh, then you have to say as well when, "Hey, man, great work! Yeah, uh, you know, so good. Great work this week. You 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 done everything even more than I what I was asking and all that. And mm -hmm. so you develop a relationship with student, which is very important. You you need the trust, right, know, to each other, really. Mm -hmm. Totally. I bet, I bet you're a killer teacher, dude. I, I want to take lessons from you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it would be Shit. my pleasure. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's take it back to the timeline again, guys. So Warp Zone comes out. Um, how was the touring on that record? Warp Zone. Uh, we played a lot of better gigs. We the paid got up, got up a bit, <laughs> so we were asked to play, and we raised the, um, you know, the price of the band, and we, so we had the name, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, we had opportunities to get out a bit more, doing the whole Canada and uh, and uh, 
uh, in magazines as well in promotion but still there was something holding uh, us uh, maybe it was the language or the management or just us uh, i can't tell but i, I can tell that uh, the the network of uh, touring in quebec was not very developed you had the extreme band that was working uh, a bit but we were kind of a niche uh, band as well not quite death metal but not quite thrash and it was hard to uh, define uh, did we lost a case uh, he probably he'll, he'll be back soon he probably, oh, okay okay yeah, yeah. but uh yeah so um we played a lot in in quebec and canada we did uh, maybe uh, one festival i think it was in chicago or i don't remember chicago it's domination i think that's what it was called the domination fest yeah or maybe it was the other uh album uh we toured there but uh, toured played a festival mm -hmm. and um we had a good time but uh then we we started to feel after a few years that we were playing the same cities all over again and didn't have a new song so we we uh it it was too much time between albums at that point and uh, so we did it we decided to to write the new music and uh, put our energy to it but right then i i i, I felt tired with the band and the, the energy that i put into it and the the result the comeback and uh, we didn't sign on any uh, label that uh, that would promote us and make us tour, you know, or booking agent or anything like that. But I think that has a lot to do with the language barrier at that time. Mm -hmm. And the network was not as well as developed for metal or at least extreme metal back in the day. And so maybe you had three bands that was touring a lot, like Cryptopsy, Gorguts and Cataclysm, you know, uh, during that time. Mm -hmm. And um, it was really hard but uh, yeah so uh we started to write the new rec the, the the new record but i started to go to university at the same time and as we, i think i wrote we wrote warp zone at the same time that we wrote from wisdom to hate and i was in both band as at the same time uh, driving from montreal to my hometown back and forth so to... tell us how uh how that came about so how did how did uh gorguts did they approach you did you go try out because they put a, a thing out that they wanted a new guitar player how did that all come about yeah um my name was out there with the band of course but uh, they needed a guitar player to uh to reform i guess and uh, they asked a guitar player in Oblivion, not Pierre, but Martin, the second, uh, the other guitar player. And uh, he couldn't, but he he, he told uh, Luke my name and uh, Luke knew about the band a little bit. And uh, so uh, I got a call from him uh, wanting me to join the band. So I've learned the songs and I went to the rehearsal and it worked. And, what uh, song? What songs did you have to learn for the? I, I honestly don't remember. Maybe Obscura. Uh, how, so how fucked up is it playing Obscura songs? Because that just sounds like a a task as yeah, a guitar player, dude. It, it, it's a uh, it's a different vocabulary that I had to learn uh, mm -hmm. to write 
for Gorgots, with Gorgots. I had to learn the songs of the catalog first and imprint myself with uh, this vocabulary and uh, um, learning the songs. I realized it was way more simple than I thought mm. listening to it. Uh, so something can be very simple as a part, but in the ensemble, it sounds very complex. So I've learned a lot of uh, learning the, those songs too. And um, I played with uh, Steve McDonald on the drums, which was in Gorgots at that time. And he wrote Obscura, but he is not the one who recorded it. And so when I played the song from Obscura with him on the drum, I understood way better how it should have sound if he was playing the drums on the album. He was yeah. a phenomenal drummer. He was a great guy. And I remember Steve in the studio recording the whole From Wisdom to Hate album without a click and without any ghost track or without any of us playing with him wow. by heart. Wow, thing. dude. Jeez. It's insane. I've never seen something like that before. So he did, his, he did his drum tracks with no wow. guitar playing? Nothing. No reference track at all. He's... he's uh, his headset just to um, prevent him to hear the symbol, you know, to protect uh, his ears. Yeah. And that's wow. it. That's cool. Wow. That's and the time of the record is great. He got a great wow. uh, time, stable. It was a pleasure playing with him. And uh, oh, yeah. he, he sadly passed away. But yeah. uh, yeah, one I of remember. the best death metal drummer I played with for sure. Yeah. That's uh that reminds me of Dennis, right? Dennis did that for a spawn record or said he could do that for a spawn uh spawn of possession. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that I remember band? that Ben, yeah. Okay, so Dennis from Spawn had talked about recording without uh Jonas. Oh, that's playing. right, without any re reference track, just yeah, just going in and recording your drums like so this tricky. is the second time we've heard about so these it, two phenomenal drummers yeah. too and you, it totally makes sense that those got those kinds of people could do something like that you but have that, to to have the definition of the song inside of you yeah you you see it as a as a landscape and you you know you know the road by art you know you drive you drove this road so many times that you know every yeah. details about it the crack in the asphalt you know where you're gonna mm -hmm. bump your car mm -hmm. you know where it is you can call it i and, love uh, that metaphor even though i i work in automotive and i hate working on cars all day i like that metaphor a lot <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh and yeah so his inner time was perfect too very very stable and the tempo change was perfect when when we recorded our instrument it felt just like the rehearsal room mm -hmm. i don't know how he did it I, he got he had this talent incredible wow. and uh yeah and that that album is amazing too so how much of the writing were you involved in for from wisdom to hate i think it, we wrote pretty much equally luke uh, uh steve the bass player and i and uh steve mcdonald was there to help with the arrangement for the beats and all that but we all worked together so i think I, I could fairly say one third of the music and arrangement. And um, yeah, uh, some songs I, I hold uh, 
I wrote wrote the whole song and some songs I participated a li little bit in the arrangement and some songs were collaboration but uh we we participated to every song for sure that's killer dude i i i'm as as a a guy like you coming up in the canadian scene like how do you feel when you're you're in the moment and you're 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 contributing to the next gorgas record like how does that feel well uh back then uh i don't know uh, i felt you said you were 24 yeah yeah and uh i, I didn't know gargots much <laughs> to be honest oh okay uh i've heard obscura <laughs> yeah. and i've heard the first ones but it, it was not mm -hmm. something that was uh, i was really curious or into at first but when i learned the songs i really became interested in the music that's mm -hmm. where it clicked and um luke and i uh worked a lot together and uh, he had this vision on, on composition and music and he studied music same for me i was uh in college uh, studying music and uh, mm -hmm. and uh, so we understood each other uh, talking about music and in, in in the same language and he learned he learned uh, he taught me a lot about the process the artistic process and the his way of uh, of uh, seeing the architecture he's a he got a, a vision like a like a house builder that guy like hmm. he, he knows his way he got his vision and uh, it's it's very interesting to work with luke uh, it was a good uh, musical relationship for sure yeah he seems like a really cool dude i I've had a few interactions with him and in, in, in uh, physical and virtual form and always been a humble, nice guy every time I've talked to him. And then you always, you, you think like, man, all that Gorguts material can't, you know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily match necessarily with somebody who would be such a kind person, but I guess death metal is just, yeah like that always dude that's true uh, and uh, it, luke too knows how to surround himself with good musicians yeah any lineup you can tell yeah he's, he's picking up I interesting mean, with members. your shirt that you're wearing right totally. now like yeah that those right. guys are such a great addition to gorgas yes I think so. They they uh, and seeing them live with the band too, and know and knowing about Colin for so and Dystrithmia for so many years, mm -hmm. um, it it actually warmed my heart to know that they got involved in that project yeah. and and put their own little spin on it too. And, and that's the thing; it was really open when uh, it was time to 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 uh, give our inputs and i'm sure it was the same with colin and uh, and patrice and um and come on memory <laughs> oh. guitar player yeah I, I know dude i'm 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 blanking on it too <laughs> shit sorry let's start with a b <laughs> here uh, you keep talking i'll find it yeah i i just met him a few months ago <laughs> it's all good no I it's all it too. good I just don't know. 
I feel embarrassed. Okay, but uh, I mean, everybody is involved in, in the writing process. And that's what I like. And that's what I kind of found back in Voivod as well. Because Martyr was more... Kevin. Kevin yeah. Kevin. Sorry, Kevin. Brain it's all good. It's all good. And um, yeah, that's that's what I found back in Voivod, the teamwork, really, where everybody's welcome to put their ideas and we sculpt something together. And, and it's our stuff. You know, it's, it's not just a solo project. Right, right. Uh, in Martyr, it was... Uh, a bit different where uh mm -hmm. there was a lot of uh participation from my brother and i a bit of input uh, a lot of input from martin the guitarist as well but we didn't work the grooves together it was more written and uh, uh, i wrote a lot of the drum parts and uh, we practiced a lot to make it work and it was a different kind of process where mm -hmm. uh, but it, it worked in in it, it something came out of it in a different way too and yeah. i'm not saying it's a bad way to do things but uh it's uh it's i really enjoy the teamwork and where everybody's involved in the creative process i think every color of each person in the band should be in the composition mm -hmm. as well as the instrumental yeah. part i like your That's you cool. use that for the second time tonight the colors like i really like the metaphor of a canvas. oh shit yeah we got joseph on what up dude all right the professor and this is our other co-host joseph we call him the hey yeah. dan hey, hey how you doing pretty good yourself good to meet you you too i just got off work teaching at a music school i was listening i know you're a music teacher so yeah um i got here as fast as i could basically so nice cheers awesome oh, cool very glad to have you brother what yes. do you teach uh I teach all the instruments uh, that the school offers, but I do a lot of piano actually because they are short piano instructors. Wow. Piano is, is the most in demand. Uh, but the I play king. drums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I play drums mostly. Um, so that's uh, where I'm coming piano from. Piano and but... drums make sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, as I, I was excited to hear you guys on my way home. I could tune in. I heard you guys talking about my favorite record of yours which is warp zone Thanks. and then from wisdom to hate also a classic and yes. i'm sure you will get into feeding the abscess which is mo possibly the most technical album of all time <laughs> tell me about it <laughs> I, I went nuts uh, with that one yeah but if you guys want to finish up with gorgon i was just gonna what i was gonna finish yeah, saying real quick is Already i love the, metaf the metaphor of the canvas in the painting and 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 having multiple people contribute to this this painting and yeah. they're bringing their own colors you know and yeah. then he, this guy shows up and you're like ah oh, I, I didn't even realize that this color would work perfectly right there <laughs> you know and and it wouldn't happen if it wasn't a collective effort yeah and i think that that i enjoy that process as well too i've worked with I've worked on albums where everything was already laid out. And then I've worked on albums where we all kind of sculpted it together. And those are the, the most fun I've had yeah. creating things with other people is where we all contribute and then we can all, you know, yeah. hold each other and like, yeah, yeah, we all did this together guys. You know, that's the best feeling. That's the <laughs> best feeling. 
and you have to to uh, to get out of the way of the of the creative process that is another thing too is the ego like yeah. how i mean obviously the ego is always going to be involved but yeah. are, are you gonna let your ego pull you through this or are you gonna you i know, did it <laughs> every, I, we all have you know i mean a you know guy in his early 20s is always exactly. gonna have much more of an ego you know and but like Casey was saying earlier, like you got to know the rules to break them and vice versa. You got to know how far you can you go with your ego before you realize this isn't the way that that I should be doing it. And then you scale back and 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 realize that this is not just a me thing. It's a, this is a collective thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard to to yeah. learn. For me, it was a, a quite a long process to get out of the way. But uh, I think we're getting better with practice, right, mm -hmm, teacher? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, yeah, I really enjoy it now. Like to to anybody can put put in ideas, and it becomes its own thing. You don't. You just have to feed it the right the right nourriture, uh, the the right food. Yep. Uh, to, to for it to grow and you look at it and well maybe I can add this there and and everybody's doing that and you know it creates a good connection between the people that are working together too and uh, yeah I really enjoyed the, this process I, I miss it actually you know when you are done with an album and you go on tour and then there's that timing that oh, I wish we could create right now it, it yeah. comes back to you this too is addictive. <laughs> yes, definitely, uh, dude. Totally. And that's why we're sitting here talking about it today, you know? <laughs> After all these years totally. that we've spent doing it, you know? Yeah, good point. So, all right. So with the Gorguts deal and, and all that happening, so that put Martyr on the back burner for a little bit, right? Not really, because we were we were playing as well, but we didn't have the, the touring chances or opportunities, so to speak. So, of course, when I was with Gorgots, I was not playing with Martyr, but we were not we were not playing at each weekend or each month or whatever. And I had the other bands as well as a as a freelance playing clubs and you know. Mm -hmm. um, because I was uh, trying to make a living out of music, uh, right. and uh, and so yes, I came back from the tour, and then we split. They continued as a, a, a three three piece for one tour, I guess, and then uh, Steve uh, sadly uh, passed away, the drummer, and mm -hmm. it was uh, it was over for them for a while, and right. I got back to Martyr and and uh got to work on the new defeating the abscess album which was a oh, real yeah. real real headache <laughs> oh dang really <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the most complex stuff i ever written and i don't want to go back there write that kind of stuff it's oh, really? too demanding yeah it's too, too demanding it's too much too much energy it's a good album it's uh yeah. it's very dense uh d uh, with with e sure dense yeah and yeah. uh and uh, that it, it reflects the kind of uh, mindset 
we had and the relationship we had with the band uh, i there was a lot of frustration with with martyr and uh about you know not getting the tour or the break like many other bands but working so hard on the music but maybe not enough on the business side and the man managing side and oh yeah and, um, it's common it, like i said the language barrier as well and uh, and uh we put everything we had it cost uh, more money this one we went to see pierre emiard again at his own studio this time in northern quebec uh, it was a beautiful studio, beautiful environment. And uh, I pre-recorded the guitar at home with the DI. We wanted to reamp it. Uh, it was the new thing back then. But it didn't work because I had an electric noise in my apartment. So I had, that, I had to re-record the oh, whole no. thing. Was it like studio. radio signal or like just electric noise? I think like... it was just a 60 hertz thing that was entering uh... the anyway. Yeah, I couldn't hear it with the playback, but it was there on the signal. And when Pia yeah. tried to reamp it, it was not working. And I was right. so out of it. Uh, yeah. I, I, I went home uh, crying in my car and I was ready to give everything up. Oh, dude. Uh, yeah, I really felt bad. And, um, and uh, so I, I because I we took I took vacation, you know, to to record the album, and uh, I was studying. Mm -hmm. I would I was at university at the same time. I was playing with pop artists as well, and uh, gigs in the weekends. And uh, at that point, I was uh, making a living uh, out of music from from that point on. What were you real quick? I wanted to ask you this earlier. What were you going to university for? Uh, I was studying in jazz music, uh, guitar okay. interpretation at the University of Montreal. Uh, so mm -hmm. I got uh, my bachelor degree there. Uh, nice. Maybe in 2007 or 8. And I started teaching in college right before I finished university. But I had I had the martyr and and uh, all these other projects, um, different bands, and uh, a few TV gigs, and uh, pop artists, and uh, so cool. I, I had to leave the university for six weeks to go on tour with Cryptopsy at some point. So I had to do homework on the road, and it was oh, wow. really demanding. Uh, uh, just and the, the same period that we wrote uh, Finding the Abscess. So, so life that, was, was that 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 same tour that we were talking about where you yeah. came to the pound? Yeah, yeah. So the night that I saw era. you, you were you were studying in, on your off time on that tour. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. What year uh, was that? Two thousand five. Five. Okay. And the the album came out in two thousand six. The, the feeding the abscess. We yeah. always just remember it, that. I mean, it was like one. The guitar player of Martyrs playing with Cryptopsy. Two, mm -hmm. Lord Worms on vocals. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like touring with Lord Worm, dude? He's a cool guy. Yeah, uh, he, yeah he's an English teacher in Montreal. Right. And um, yeah, he's a really, you know, how to say it in English, integrity. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. He's, yeah, he's, he's a, got a lot of integrity. Yeah, he got a, a lot of integrity. And uh, he made me discover the microbreweries across the tour. I didn't nice. know much about beer back then. And he, he helped me like to, to enjoy the beers. Every city, uh, he knew about uh, a place to go and 
there was no uh, phone back then. Uh, I mean, we didn't have any phones or, and so we had to walk yeah. around the street to find the place and, uh, as well as uh, some bourbon and, uh, it was into beer and, uh, you may mm -hmm. discover, uh, the microbrewery, uh, of, uh, of the USA. And it, it was a rough tour for me. Um, uh, I did it because I wanted to tour again. I respected the band. Uh, I didn't know uh, all the songs. I had to learn everything. And there was question about playing on the album at some point, but I decided not to go on and concentrate on Martyr at that point. Yeah. My, I, was, I had oh, one other question. I wanted to it. ask about the show in SF. So were you at the show that they played in SF, Anthony? Yeah, yeah I was. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So we yeah. were both there. Dan and I were kind of talking about that before the pod started. And so um, that that was a show that we saw Cryptox, you know, with you playing. And uh, he was feeding the worms to people. Yeah. You know? And you said something funny about that. What was it? You yeah. Said? Well, every night he was doing his ritual with the chalice and uh, with the worms inside. And people were yeah. asking for it, like uh, the front row. Yes, I want the worm, you know, opening their <laughs> mouth like birds. And oh, most of dude. most of the people who were doing that was were females. Uh, and um, oh, and females, uh, really? Yeah, uh, surprisingly. And the, the, I guess it, it was a buzz, you know, and I understand the, totally it can be a buzz. So, but each time you would put the worm in, in, inside the mouth of a, a girl <laughs> in front, most of the time anyway, she, she would go, her face changing and realizing what she has just done. <laughs> it's the disgusting and spitting the worm and, and that face, you know, yeah. every night I was laughing every night. <laughs> You know that, what do you think is gonna taste? <laughs> like yeah, I know, right? Every night, just think about that. My, my question, my question was gonna be, uh, wh where did he store all of the worms, dude? In yeah. the fridge. He had the bus. Yeah, and, and and it has to be fresh and alive because <laughs> did, you can't get poison eating hmm. it, you know. And oh it was really serious God. every day. Yes, we have to find where to buy worms and all that. And uh, when he didn't find, he, he used the the, the candies. I was going to say the know? gummy worms. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. But, yeah, he, gummies, but yeah. he was uh, he, he was uh, disappointed. Man, and he said they were like super weed gummies. He was just like, "That'd be badass." That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a, uh, and he didn't like it. You know, it was just for the the ritual and the buzz and uh, of yeah. doing it. But uh, yeah, I was uh, wait, always wait, so having a laugh. Did he, did he have a whole tour's worth of worms? No, he had to pick them up at like. Yeah, to pick them up like, often, like, like yeah, every day, and keep it in the fridge. And and it happens a few times that he ate uh, some dead worms, and it it really is less tasty. <laughs> I mean, it tastes really really bad, and you can get sick. So uh, <laughs> prefer them really me. fresh. <laughs> He's got some right wow, Joseph, dude. you guys are making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, oh, shit. There you go. Nice. Dude. But That's yeah, cool. I enjoyed the. Um, nice. The, also, dude. Alex Oburn, who was playing the guitar uh, with me and uh, and Lord Worm, it was uh, it was fun times. Yeah, dude. That was actually. I don't know. Did I already? I don't know if I said it on the episode already, but that was where I bought my first mar two Martyr albums. Yeah. At the Pound that night. 
you had they had them at the table for fans of death cynic atheists and i was like sold <laughs> give them to me now and uh had i came home drunk from that show and i was like i need to see what these this band's all about and i put it on and uh i proceeded to listen to both albums back to back before i went to bed i said I'm not done. I'm not done with metal tonight, guys. <laughs> I, need to, I need to keep going, <laughs> you know? And, and it was a, such a great experience. And still to this day, like, wow, th those albums are very important to me, dude. Very important. I appreciate it. It means a lot to me uh, that our music is still ringing in someone's ear, you know? It's, it's uh, yeah, I mean, it's 20 something years ago. It's we were know, pretty yeah. young, so it's impressive. Uh, it, it means a lot to me, yeah. So, I'll oh, go yeah. for it, professor. Oh, yeah, just I never got the chance to see you or anything. I just was one of those kids who discovered Martyr from the internet, uh, just you know, looking around on guitar forums for the most technical music or whatever, and it immediately resonated with me. And I'm just like, oh. This band is sick as hell, and I've been a fan for I don't know how many, fifteen years or something now. Wow! Yeah, thanks. And I'm a few years younger than the other guys here. Yeah, so dude. You're, it, 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 you're it's 30, down. Thirty-one. Turn thirty-two. Wow! Oh. Shit, dude. Yeah. yeah see. So, so, go so I was thirty when uh, when feeding the abscess came out. Yeah, that's About pretty impressive. Age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the same time, you were working with. Uh, Cafarnum, Cafarnum, how do yeah. you say it? It was in 2003 uh, when I went to Florida, got a call from uh, Jason Sukov, who had the band at a very young age, like me, around 16 year old. And he moved to Florida and uh, he wanted to record a, uh, a new album at his own studio, uh, Audio Hammer Studio. And uh, he had uh, Matt from uh, Monstrosity on the bass, his brother on the drums, and another guy called Matt Heffy. Yeah. Um, and he, he had his own band. He, he was a young kid, uh, maybe 17 year old. Yeah, dude. And he had this band called Trivium. Yep, and yep. he asked me, hey, maybe you can help me have a deal. I'm looking for a record deal. My band is young, but uh, we're we're on fire and all that. And I don't know, man. Uh, I don't have uh, any. You know, I said I, I don't have much contacts. I'm trying to with Martyr. You know, and he mm -hmm. was a big Martyr fan uh, as well as Jason and. We recorded the album there maybe during three, four days. I had to learn the part on the seven strings. The only time in my whole life that I played on the seven strings. So wow, I learned yeah. the, the riff right there really? live and writing them down and then record mm -hmm. them right away. And uh, did our uh, the solos during the session as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, then Matt uh, did the vocals afterwards. Never did I know that uh, Matt uh, would be in a very successful band afterwards. <laughs> so cool, yeah. dude. Yeah. We could technically uh, say we're label mates with you, dude, because that was a Willow Tip release. Yeah, that's well, true. Odious, yeah. was, Odious and Severed well, were Willow Tip as well. It's funny I'm because we had Alex Bent on the podcast a while back, and he's the drummer for Trivium now, you know? Yeah. And uh, and I was like, okay, so I'm going to Iron Maiden like next Sunday, you know, it's going to be really cool and all this. And then I'm like looking at the, okay, what is the opening band? Like, I don't even know, dude. I'm like looking up and I was like, oh, shit, it's Trivium. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, good for them. I mean, they worked hard and uh, sick. it's yeah. happening. So good for them. I'm really happy oh, for Matt. And, uh, yeah. He's always been a hard worker and totally yeah. deserved it. It was actually uh, Trevor Sternad on this 
podcast, rest in peace, who turned me on to Caffernum. And I, it's just one of those gems that I feel like is going to be rediscovered over and over again by young metalheads like me uh or maybe not not so young metalheads like me at this point but um it's funny i feel like there's sometimes there's these undiscovered albums and it takes about 15 years for them to get discovered i feel like focus is like that Mm. and then i think frederick thordendahl's solo album Mm. the so good so that that i feel like was a sleeper and people it was like really underground and now it's more known. I feel like Capharnaum is on that track to become known like that. I went nuts when I heard the Dardendal solo album. Uh, yeah, fifteen Soul years Niger ago. Or more. Soul yeah. Niger, yeah. yeah, 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 man. So, um, and it's just yeah, that record is so amazing. Matt Heafy's vocals are really, really interesting for death metal, mm-hmm. and it works really well. But the yep. riffing is just insane, man. So mm-hmm. you played, so you learned the riffs, and then you recorded the solos. You were saying, yeah, Matt was not playing the guitar on that one. Yeah, uh, just it the was vocalist. Jason. Yeah. yeah, it was Jason and I, and so I, I had to learn the the riff and record them right away. Mm-hmm. So I, I read, I wrote, wrote them down because for me it was easier to read them than to learn them by heart, of course. Mm-hmm. So I, I could not play anything from that album because i played it i recorded it and i never played it again <laughs> I see. Yeah. and I the see. last at uh, the last day we did a jam really an improvisation and uh we recorded it for many minutes and that's what the what's the intro of the album it's just a jam but we we had a better jam that didn't i mean the the, the record button was not uh, pushed so we lost it but it was amazing but then we redid it but the magic was uh was not the same but it was fun anyway yeah. are you a, are you a crotch duster fan mm, i'm not i'm not even... that's jason's other project uh oh yeah <laughs> yes yeah, yes dude. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, I i i think i um mammal sauce <laughs> because it's he used to um <laughs> so to do good. that back in the day right yeah, yeah, I don't know. Super, I think I think Crotch came out like came a long after. Story. It may have came out after Caffernam, but I think those songs. It's probably... very humoristic stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't get it. I'm I don't speak English. <laughs> Remember, oh, okay. two thousand and what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, you're doing a great job on this, <laughs> on this episode. So good. Oh, I know you're. So I I I, I thought it was the time uh, that he's means. You know. It's definitely yeah. I would say that that's definitely American humor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe the the references the culture differences are, are different but uh, yeah. for sure the music still, i'm sure jason, it was perfect yeah. Yeah. yeah jason shows his talent for sure yeah. for writing and executing He's a i've used good. that word executing a lot this this episode maybe i need to stop that but how he <laughs> how he is performing is top notch dude He's a great musician. He's a great producer. So sure. the drummer, the the rumor on that, I don't know if you could shed some light on that. The drummer was pretty young, right? Yeah, he, his younger brother. Uh, what's his name? You, could you could you remember how old he was? Because that the drums on Caffernam are fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, he was a very talented guy, and he was more into rap uh, during that time. Maybe uh, he went that way. He was. Uh-huh. Uh, out of the death metal stuff but he played so great like uh it was all uh it was rarely uh, uh i mean it was often one takes you know and um uh, 
what's his name? I, I forgot. The rumors uh, like Jordan, a... Jordan. Jordan. Jordan, yeah. It says Very... he was uh, born in 83, so that would make him 20 years old. Yeah, yeah, makes oh, sense. Okay. For recording the record, right. yeah. Yeah. So then the rumors are, this is the he said, she said shit. We heard that he was like 16 when that album was recorded. But he did, I think when they were in Connecticut, I think they were living before, they were really young for the first album. So maybe yeah. that's what it was. They, yeah. They, there he was on the, okay, yeah, because there was an album before that. I forgot yeah. about that. That's that the one they were really, album. really young. Okay, yeah. so then the rumor's right. He was a young cat when they did that. He would have been like 14 on that record, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. That's up there with uh, Decapitated and Animosity. Those are the two bands I always cite for having the youngest members and putting out the best records. <laughs> right. I think, yeah. yeah, with Animosity, they were 16 when I first saw them, 16, 17. And uh, Decapitated, uh, they were like 14, 15 when they did Winds of Creation. Oh, so, man. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, that's right, dude. But I remember yeah. uh, also the different era but the guys in forbidden were really really young when they started mm -hmm. and uh also uh, possessed mm. oh okay mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was a high school band possessed yeah oh and, uh, okay. yeah they they the whole um you know lure lure of that album or that band is sitting in a classroom like we're playing this style of music what do we call it you know yeah. one of the guys like i don't know death metal <laughs> you know <laughs> that's great and that it, that's and that's another bay area band dude like Area actually had a lot of good stuff pumping out of it in the 80s and 90s oh yeah of course okay. i mean you hear you're we're here with dan right now he, and he's from canada and he's talking about the bay area scene like that it, it well, makes me feel good to be from yeah, the bay area it was strong know? here i mean we, we knew about the bands we knew uh, i awesome. knew my metal back then i had mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. much anymore but <laughs> <laughs> i remember that <laughs> so uh, all right then what is something that you would what's like the most exciting thing you've listened to in the last week oh hey, my god I don't have the the luxury or pleasure to listen to much music because I teach music, I write music, I just finished the new Voivod tab book, uh, I uh, do correction, exam, dictation, and uh, I, uh, I, I went to see a show last week, that's the last time I've listened to music, and was Pat Metheny mm -hmm. with his band, followed by Revocation, in the same evening uh so uh i got my fix of uh, jazz and jazz metal yeah. <laughs> and uh so i i, I usually when uh when, when we're on the road and we're in the tour bus there's uh always a way the the, the voivod drummer bring his uh ipod and we play uh some of this music and there's prog and there's old 80s rock and there's uh yeah. Uh, and we put some Alan Osworth because he's a fan as well. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different stuff. Uh, I so like what you're, but what you're, you're saying is the trade-off for being a music teacher 
and composer is that once all that's out of the way you kind of something else there you're yeah you you don't want to go and necessarily go sit and listen to more music you want to take a break from music yeah yeah i really need it and yeah. uh i go for a walk pick up mushrooms in the wood uh, go uh, ride my bicycle <laughs> uh, nice. uh cook you know uh, read a book uh, watch a series whatever uh me anyway not everybody's like that but me i i need a break from music if i i, I, I was gonna say i think that's healthy though you need that yeah. that yeah. break if you're gonna just surround yourself with one thing all day every day it's it's gonna be a mental exhaustion in a yeah uh, exactly yeah, yeah. and you get tired of it i want to be exciting uh, excited yeah. when i do music when i write music when i mm -hmm. work on some stuff and uh it's it's a lot of energy it's a lot of work being a professional musician people have no clue about how much work you need to right. make 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 it and make a living out of it and uh there's different ways to, to do it but it, it's it's a it real job <laughs> yeah, yeah we're always fighting when people talk, well, you don't have a real job. You know, you're a musician. <laughs> it's a real job, I can tell you. And most of the people will never do that kind of life. You know, right. going on the road, touring, writing. Yeah. Uh, the precarity uh, of the job and losing your job because you go on tour and you come back and you don't have a job coming back. And yeah. All the the road is really long. You know, to, yeah. to find balance and you know find your. Uh, a good way a good balanced way to to live and uh but it's exciting i would trade it with anything right very i'm very uh i feel i'm grateful and i'm privileged to see the world and play everywhere with my favorite band voivod the <laughs> band that i used to listen to when i was 11 12 year old yeah and the band that made me buy a, a guitar in the first place and now i'm touring the world and i'm signing martyr cds in japan <laughs> you know it's, wow. it's pretty crazy i i'm that's privileged. Sick. Yeah. um so have you guys talked about him joining voivod yet or you dan we, no we're, we're actually kind of getting close to that probably because we've already gotten gore guts that situation the farnum situation I, I i don't know <laughs> that band <laughs> nobody knows how to fucking say it but um yeah so i i i really was actually excited because one like i was already saying i've become a voivod fan this week yeah and, and welcome to the family <laughs> yes dude and, oh, and dude, it yeah. was one of those names and that. bands oh, that i've heard funny. about for so many years totally. and just for some reason I never dove deep into it until I'm the same thing. Yeah, me too. this and now now I was forced into it because I like to I like to cram for these episodes and really listen to as much of the the guests uh, output as I can and and you having the Voivod cover on. Oh, we didn't even yeah. really talk about feeding no. the abscess though too. Like we can talk get, about it. Yeah, let's, let's talk about, talk about feeding the abscess first yeah. because that's still on the timeline. So, well, like, like I said, uh, oh, maybe you had uh, something. Well, I, no, I was really just wanting to because we like to kind of stay on the timeline. Yeah. We don't want to 
pass things up too much. And, and Anthony just, just went through a portal and now he's trying to like pull it back to. <laughs> yeah. I just literally took everybody yeah. into the light speed. And then I'm like, wait, no hit reverse, dude. <laughs> it's like in Mario. It's like, you went down the wrong, like pipe. <laughs> like, Oh no, we're going to go back to the other world. And then yeah, dude, dude, have a gummy go. worm, dude. Ah, yeah, dude, I totally. wish you could hand that I to me right now. Gummy worms I'll, are like my favorite, dude. I like suddenly just want to pretend you're super bad. Like fed to me right now. Yeah. <laughs> there you <Yeah>. go. <laughs> All right. But yeah, dude, the reason, I mean, we're Cali Death Podcast, you know, so it's the California death metal scene, technical death metal. So, like, feeding the abscess finally drops in 2006. We're getting ready to start putting oh, yeah. our shit out, odious and all that stuff. Like, so you guys kind of were like ahead of it compared to us. And it was just like the craziest technical martyr album that could ever fucking yeah, like so gnarly. be released. Like, I mean, we all were so familiar oh, with Warp Zone. Dude, yeah. Lord Gummy Worm, dude, that's funny, dude. <laughs> and, to be hit, and then be hit with fit, Feeding the Abscess when yeah. it finally comes out. We It was... It was a combo one two punch uppercut. Just yeah, yeah. You're not you're not going to be ready for this. It it, it it I don't know. It would have been easier for the band, for the audience, for the risk, you know, to 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 do a warp zone number two, so to speak. But we pushed. <laughs> we pushed <laughs> further, and the the first idea that I had was to have two guitars completely tuned differently mm. and playing harmonies, but one in D and one in E or something like that. And uh, it didn't work, but we kept the idea toward, uh, throughout the album. Some of the riffs, are, riffs and guitars part are one whole tone apart from each other, mm -hmm. which is a, it's, it's a mild dissonance, but still a dissonance, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, that was the, the 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 first idea, and then we I realized that uh, the higher guitar was always lead leading on the other, so it didn't work because I wanted them to be equal, balanced. But mm -hmm. even if you put the volume down of the higher guitar, it would sounds like it's higher in volume. It's mm -hmm. a phenomenon. I couldn't explain, but it was always like that. Anyway. But I kept the idea and I used the, this idea throughout the album. Like I said, it was a lot of work. Like I said, I was going to university. I did this tour with Cryptopsy. I was playing with uh, with bands and uh, it, it, there was a lot going on in my mind, in my life. I had the very bad back pain as well. It was not a happy times. And uh, that's pretty much what you hear on the record. <laughs> <laughs> complicated mind, yeah. you know, thoughts like a spider web, mental yeah. whirlwind, yeah, situation, yeah, yeah, very, very dense thoughts, and uh, uh, and and the band was, like I said, a bit frustrated with the situation. Uh, we thought we would have uh, better chances to, you know, yeah. better opportunities. So, oh, the heck, we're gonna <laughs> record the most complicated music ever but it was not the goal it was really just to as usual to push our limits to outdo ourselves to be better musician a better band and uh, and uh, create something that uh, we thought we thought never been done before in that 
particular way. So uh, we recorded it in a good studio with Pierre again. And uh, I remember during the mix, he was almost uh, quitting because it was too much, too yeah. much stuff going on. And uh, there was a lot of uh, problem with the snare sound. So we had to work mm -hmm. on that. It was like a never ending nightmare. But mm. finally, it 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 was out, and we did the lounge party in Montreal, and the the place was packed. And I it, I remember feeling, what what's what's happening here? You know, the, there's three thousand people to come to see Martyr, yeah. which plays most complex so music cool. on the scene in Montreal, but they're here. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's insane. You know, uh, I wouldn't understand if we play a four or five hundred people capacity club, but it was three yeah. thousand people. So people really appreciated the band and really appreciated the relationship we had with the the, the fans and the crowd. And we did uh, also um, a show in Quebec City, uh, maybe a few years after that we recorded for a DVD. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, it's not the best martyr performance. Uh, we uh, we played. Uh, there was a lot of uh, nervous uh, stress because of the cameras and the audio and all that. But uh, it's still a, still a, a good reference uh, for people who never saw the band before. Um, while it existed, yeah, you know, it's a good memory as well. And people in Quebec uh, were always a good crowd for uh, for martyr. Nice. And the theater was beautiful over there. Um yeah, so we played and we uh and and I had the call for Voivod in 2008, so uh, two years after the album came out, but we tried to play uh, the most we could with that album as well. Uh, we did a Canadian tour. I think that's where when we played in Chicago for a festival and maybe in Calgary as well, and uh, we did a few festivals, three in the U maybe two in the U.S. Mm. But then nothing happened really uh, with the band, and uh, at some point we decided to call it quit. And uh, you know, I was busy with Voivod and uh, teaching and all that, and uh, Patrice yeah. got with uh, involved in Gorgots, so uh, everybody was uh, nice. busy. Yeah, and uh, with without the the break you know uh, uh starting touring and uh we were getting older as well the energy was getting lower and uh, we were kind of discouraged uh, with the, the project so uh, frustrations and tensions lead to uh split the band you you ever thought about <laughs> resurrecting it i get asked that question pretty often and uh let's say i never uh, say never uh, it's done mm -hmm. it's unlikely though but uh we never know yeah. what life uh, yeah. might bring but uh, i can tell you that the more time passes uh, the less likely it is because it would be physically uh, very difficult <laughs> back, back to singing and i never wanted to sing anyway but uh uh it was uh, somebody had to do it, but I shared the microphone with my brother who plays the bass. So it was uh, it was a good thing when he sang <laughs> for me. Yeah, I gave you a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was a lot of complex stuff, and I was uh, 
I was thinking like Geddy Lee on the, <laughs> on the guitar, you know, like a lot of stuff to play while thinking about the lyrics and the rhythms and yeah, this word, yeah. I have to say it when I hit this note and, oh, you know, fuck. programming. If I, if we didn't play a show for a, for months, we had to, to do three or four rehearsal for sure, just to go play one show. It sounds it like insane. a nightmare, dude. It yeah, sound, I'm. I'm. I'm glad that I can just hold a microphone. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that nightmare will never. I should end. have chosen harmonica, man. <laughs> hey, I see some dudes shred on harmonica, dude. It's yeah, wild. Howard but, Levy is one of my favorite musicians. He's a master at harmonica. Okay. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude! I'll check it out. But my question to you from this point is because you you grew up on voivod that was like when he your first tape he said you your latest you know at that time the latest martyr album you covered a voivod song what was it like getting that call dude it was uh it was surreal totally surreal um I made friends uh, back in 2006 or so with uh, Blackie, the original bass player of Voivod, and he started to do sound for Martyr. I hired him for that, and uh, we we uh, was we were asked to play a, a tribute show for Piggy, who passed away in 2005. Mm-hmm. So that was before the album, actually, uh, that I met. Uh, Blackie and uh, I was, you know, the Voivod fan that I I was. I just asked him if he would agree to play a bass on the a cover that I wanted to do way before Piggy passed away. But yeah. when Piggy passed away, I was on stage. Blackie was doing sound. I was with Martyr, and some, you know, it's a it's a true story. Uh, uh, around the time Piggy passed and we learned about it after the show, but I was screaming his name in the microphone, you know, because yeah. we knew he was sick and I was making the crowd singing, uh, screaming Piggy, Piggy in the crowd and and uh, just, you know, to send him energy and, yeah. and uh, came off stage and learned the, the news by uh, Blackie. He received a text and he told me that Piggy passed away. He was not like uh, some someone I knew it was my hero, a guitarist of Voivod and a composer, a great composer. So at that point, it was sure that we would do a, a Voivod cover song on the album. So uh, we did Brain Scan, a song that I really liked on Dimension Atros, and I asked Blackie to play the bass on it. And later on, uh, we were asked, I was asked to do a, a performance for uh, introducing um, induction of Piggy uh, in the Me- Quebec Montreal metal community uh, uh-huh. hall of fame or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It was made uh, prepared organized by the manager of Voivod in the 80s. And mm-hmm. uh, so uh, we put out we uh, we organized a, a band and uh, rehearsals and uh, I arranged like a 15-minute medley of Voivod songs with Blackie on bass. And Piggy's family was in the crowd. And Away and Snake, drummer and singer of Voivod, were there. And that's where they saw me play, I think, uh, yeah. some Voivod. And, and maybe that's where the idea came that it would be maybe possible to do something, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. uh, I was playing uh, in a musical called Dracula at that time. Uh, oh, we wow. did something like a hundred shows that year, and uh, with singers, famous singers from Montreal, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, and uh, Dracula is related to Voivod because the word Voivod comes the comes from the Bram Stoker book Bram Stoker oh, no book shit. yeah okay. Vo- Voivod yeah. Dracula was a Voivod it's a title it's like prince or a, yeah a, a general or a count you know mm-hmm. oh, really okay yeah. I didn't know that yeah yeah that's why when we go to uh, Romania awesome. there's Voivod written on the dollar bill uh, their their money uh, <laughs> it's it's when you see a general it's it's written Voivod te- Tell uh, that name and I'd be fucking they're, they're... sick to be a Voivod, dude. Voivod <laughs> Anthony, dude. <laughs> exactly. And the character of Voivod was a nuclear vampire, and that there's a, a bunch of stories, you know, it's concept album after concept albums. But anyway, <laughs> well, real quick, I'm, uh, so they call him Count Dracula. Did they change it because? Not a lot of people can remember Voivod. I I, I don't know. I, I Voivod know that the... Dracula. That sounds way cooler to me, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, but yeah, it's totally from that uh, book and uh, sure. story. It, it inspires the character and uh, the story uh, and the, the concept of the band and all the drawings that the drummer away does. You know, all the imaginary world that helped hmm. uh, putting an image on the sound or vice versa, you know? And sure. uh, yeah, yeah. Sick. So I, I, a way the drummer came to see Dracula, the, the musical and the night he was there, I did, a, I did a few improv during the show and uh, I did a very Voivodish solo that night. Yeah. And uh, a few months later, uh, I had the call while I was teaching in college, and it was away, the, the drummer. And he, he asked me, uh, no, we before that, I uh, I was in communication with him because of the Dracula thing, and uh, mm-hmm. because I had tickets for him and all that. And I met him as well at Piggy's memorial uh, event in Montreal. So we ran across each other a few times. We, know, we knew... Uh, who we were but uh, not much than that and uh, i wrote him if you ever think if you ever decide to do something you know it was like three years later after piggy passed away yeah doing something about the band voivod playing or organizing something i would be honored to play one song one note with you guys if you need me i'm there i know the, the catalog i know the music i'm a big fan respectfully you know and a yeah. uh, few months pass by and I have a call while I'm teaching and it's away. Yes, we have an offer uh, to play with Voivod at Heavy MTL uh, Festival. was the first edition in Montreal, the biggest festival of metal in Montreal. Uh, to play uh, opening for Iron Maiden. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Uh, Motley Crue, Iron Maiden and a bunch of bands. I was like... Uh, my mouth, my jaw was like this, and yeah, I was like, dude. "Are you telling me that you ask me to play Voivod songs with?" No, no, 
it's going to be Voivod. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get it. I don't, for me, the band was over, like everybody, because Piggy was the main composer, and uh, mm -hmm. we could not imagine anybody without Piggy in that band. I, I was, yeah. I, 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 yeah. you know, it was over. And so, so it, he said, it's just for that one show. And uh, so we had in mind just to play that show with Blackie, original bass player, and I, and pay respect and say hi to the fans. And uh, that was that. But this, the phone started ringing. So next show was in Calgary with Ozzy Osbourne, Judas Priest. <laughs> uh, I think there was um, Hate Breed. Uh, Testament was there. Um, anyway, a big festival. So yeah. I was like, all right, I made it, guys. <laughs> 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 anyway, it was great. It was a great experience. Uh, and, uh, it was in a stadium, you know. And, uh, and then yeah. the next show, oh, we have a, an opportunity. We could play Tokyo. Third show with the band. I'm going to Tokyo. I've never been to wow. Europe. I went to Japan without going to Europe, you know. Wow. And we arrived there. We played two gigs with uh, Testament and Forbidden. And mm. I, I was a big, I'm a big fan of Forbidden guitars, yeah. chunky yep. riffs, oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. great totally. leads. So I'm kind of a fanboy, but I, I I hide it, you know. I'm like Testament, you know, Skolnik. I've listened to the music uh, since a young age. I know their songs, you know, and mm -hmm. same for Forbidden. And so I'm backstage. I'm a little bit shy. It's by my third show with the band. I don't know if there's any more after that. We don't know anything. And th so we played a show after Forbidden. And uh, before that, I think I play a riff of Forbidden backstage just to get the attention Warm of up. Greg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's the first person that plays it correctly. <laughs> so, Whoa, nice. <laughs> so I was like, oh man, I know I know your music, you know. So uh, and I we played a show and he's a big fan of Voivod and Piggy. Mm -hmm. So after the set, I remember getting out of the stage and he he just gave me a big hug like this and he was emotional, you know, he never think he would see Voivod again and he it sounded uh, okay to his ear, uh, my way of playing and all that. So uh, it was a very uh, special moment. I'll remember it all my life. Nice. So that that was my three first gig with Voivod. <laughs> That's what wow. it's all about, dude. Like that really is a moment for you to to bask in it and say, "Hey, this is." this is all the work that I've done and it's, and it's full circle because it's the band that, you know, I got really into as an 11 year old boy. Yeah. You know? And, and, and listening to Voivod, it's like this weird thing that, uh, cause like I said, I really only listened to the albums that you're on, but like, it's this whole like multi-layered fold in mm. thing that's happening because, I can hear Martyr in it, but I also hear Voivod in it. Mm. And then I learned that Voivod influenced you while you were getting into Martyr. So it's like this whole like yeah. multi-layered thing that's happening. That there's, there's definitely Voivod in Martyr. 
Yes. And uh, and uh, and more more than modern Voivod, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard no, to tell, you know. But, but it's like <laughs> from it's like, my maybe, position, it's really hard to tell. <laughs> maybe from like the hopeless hopes era is more so. Uh, it's more so Voivod esque, not like overall, but I'm just saying like the hints of. It makes sense that that was the band that you went out as an 11-year-old boy and bought that <laughs> tape, dude. You know? It really is this seed that happened for you at a young age and then but it is it's obviously Martyr is you but it you have those flares and then you being in Voivod, it's just like this multi it's, interdimensional fucking thing that's going on. Yes, dude. yes. It's hard it, to explain, it's but it's surreal. Like you, can, you can feel what's going dude, on there. You know, I was watching this insane like thing, a Star Talk with like you know Neil deGrasse Tyson thing. It was like about like certain infinities being bigger than other infinities, <laughs> and dude. it was just like. I, the first time I heard Neil deGrasse Tyson say that, I'm like, wait, there's more than one infinity. But then I was just recently thinking about that because you brought it up and I'm like, infinity is infinity. So then that means there's an infinite amount of infinities. Uh, that's true. Yeah. How can it? How can one infinity be bigger than another infinity? Though? But well, seeing... are you are you guys trying to calculate infinity? <laughs> oh, uh, nice, yeah. dude. Nice, dude. So, I love that album too. So yeah, the technical, the technical term used to compare set sizes is cardinality. There we and go. So, um, yes. Uh, the love two you, main. Joseph. Yeah. Thank you. The we two got main. Here. Back, I just want to say this before you go. I'm just so happy you're here right now. Yeah, I'm Thanks. actually very excited about this it. This is great. All right, continue. Yeah. Um, so uh the 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 kinds of things that can have cardinalities, they're called sets. And uh an infinite set example is the natural numbers. That's zero, one, two, three, comma, comma, you know, whatever. And then another set is the real numbers, and that's all those numbers, including pi, all those ones with like decimal, decimal numbers that go on forever or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um and then if you ask uh, what's the cardinality of the naturals and what's the cardinality of the reals, you get a different result. Um, mm. And our notion of size, like things bigger than and less than, like our intuitive notion, if it's like in terms of like physical reality, it doesn't really map onto the same notion of cardinality as used to compare infinities. We do say that the cardinality of uh, the reals is larger than the cardinality of the naturals, but that's in another like math dimension. So um, you, it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, the two infinities of like are bigger or smaller in the, the physical reality that we're thinking of. It's like another, uh, another concept basically. Um, I, so. All right, so, so everybody got that. Okay. So moving on. <laughs> No, I was gonna go off. I was just gonna, hologram. I was gonna add some <laughs> other stunner shit to it, which when you were saying one infinity, well, if you're saying one infinity, that makes infinity finite, you know. So um. You, right. Well, oh, yeah. So, but you can just talk about like the natural numbers. That's an infinite set. Well, you could take the number one and split it forever, and it never stops. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. 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 So. Um, basically this stuff, 
got figured out in the late 19th century by a philosopher mathematician named Jörg Cantor, this German guy. And there's a good book that goes into it called Logic Comics. It's like a math comic book, basically. Oh, that sounds sick. So that's where I would say to get started looking into it. Also, you could look at YouTube videos on Hilbert's Hotel. Just Google Hilbert's Hotel. It'll give you get you started. But. Hell yeah, dude. We're getting a dump tonight from the professor. <laughs> and drum uh, But, <laughs> but uh, Casey, I have told you about multiple infinities at your apartment before. I remember telling you well, about that one that's time. That's why on I brought couch. it up, bro. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, ask me more questions on the pod sometime. But uh, I want to respect Dan's time. and. Awesome. Yeah, I love that stuff, though. I, I read a lot of uh, science book uh, in the last years uh, about uh, quantum physics and uh, and um, stuff like that, uh, the quarks and uh, yeah, uh, you know. Uh, I'm not a professional. I'm I I I didn't have my uh, mathematic courses, but uh, oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, I, I it's a, it's a really interesting read. Yeah, yeah, I like that. It's a uh, I got a degree in logic. It's extremely useful. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's cool, totally but like, kidding. even if you don't fully understand it, like we we've been talking about how you weren't, you know, we're not ready for certain things at certain times in our lives, but then you unlock something in your brain, and then you're able to, you know, move forward with something, whether it be music, or whatever. But like, getting uh, exposed to these fringe ways of thinking whether it be with math or multiple infinities or whatever it, it expands your mind to be able to do other things like make a fucking feeding the abscess album, <laughs> you know like it, it, those unlocks happen and, and they they yeah, help you and benefit it. you in other aspects of your life that you didn't even realize that it would you know I just am happy that Joseph just came on and upgraded the intelligence of this episode <laughs> <laughs> to match the level of intelligence of our guest's guitar playing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was like, finally. Uh, it's yes. all zero, zero and ones. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, zero, one, but Voivod is, Voivod has been your main project since you joined, oh, yeah. basically? Um. Uh, until uh, since 2012 because then i began to write for the band so uh for five years we toured the world we played everywhere we could uh europe south america mexico the us canada uh, the uk japan for five years so um I developed, uh, we developed a good chemistry and then uh, it was time to find another reason for the band to exist, so to speak. You know, we could go on forever and play previous album stuff forever or at some point we started to demo some stuff in secrecy, so to speak. And I, I played a demo on the bus on something we were work, working on, uh, Blackie and me, and, uh, and we got curious about it, the drummer and the then it started to um, to uh, to happen, and the discussion was was uh, was there as to write new stuff or not. And you know, it's a big step in when you you're in an old band 
let's mm-hmm. say that way, a right. band that's there since more than 30 years. And then uh, the main composer uh, got sick and passed away. And then it, 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 you know, you, the yeah. band starts again and then you write some new stuff. It's, it's sensitive. Uh, yeah. It's a sensitive subject. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So, sure. yeah, it so sense. it was all soft and then we decided to give it a go and see what happens. And, uh, that became target earth. The, the first album post piggy, uh, and, uh, I was uh, a bit uh, feeling like an imposter at first, uh, feeling like. Uh, I had know. a great time with that album today, dude. Yeah, I, I really did, dude. Because I, I, I work in a, uh, my work environment is to where I can listen to music while I'm working. Mm. And Target Earth was actually my album of the day today. Great. You know, because I, I I I don't necessarily need to go in order of of all the stuff that I need to listen to to get ready for these episodes, but um, because I wanted to listen to Synchro Anarchy first because it was the newest one. Which, by the way, that's a great album. Yeah, thanks. Fuck yeah. So so good, dude. Amazing. And um, but Target Earth was you know the album that I listened to today and. Man, I, I I really can say that I I fucked up for not listening to Voidbog for this <laughs> long, dude. Because I really like yeah. it. I like fringe. I like I like weird. I like quirky. I like out outside of the box bands. And Pretty this was, and this was one of the bands that where I'm like, what are you doing? Why why haven't you been listening to this? You listen. You mm-hmm. you prize yourself for being this guy who listens to all this shit like why didn't you know about voivod dude i just mm-hmm. I, I, I had to slap myself on the back of both my hands and never too late <laughs> exactly too late. exactly right that, and once you're hooked you're hooked man i mean that's the thing with bands like voivod and other kind of uh, very niche bands once you understand once you get it yeah you just you get it and I, I got, I fucking got yeah. it this week, dude. I definitely got it this week. That's great. So yeah, yeah we, we we started jamming, improv, imp, improvising together, and nice. recorded every jam we did, and it became kind of frame for songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, we worked on the on this and arranged it, and it became the album. And as long as you know, along the way, I got more confident in writing for Voivod, and and I let myself go and be more like don't overthink it just mm-hmm. just put your ideas out, out there and that's where i understood that it was more of a collaboration and, and teamwork and as soon as yeah. the drummer and snake started to sing and the drummer started this crazy beats it sounded like voivod yeah and it sounded like very promising as a okay it's gonna work you know and it, it was very exciting so um yeah. So it was a really good times, and I uh, was really afraid about the the fans' reaction, about uh, their perspective on it. But it was done with respect and with the approval of Piggy's family. Uh, when we uh, when we played the first time in his hometown, in the same town that where the band come from, and Piggy's father and mother was there and sister, 
and they gave the approval to go on with the band and they liked the show they were there for me no nobody can say anything after that you know like, yeah exactly dude you can think whatever you want but uh we we have uh you know it's all done with respect and it what sure. what's the what the best way to celebrate someone's music than playing it you know and, exactly. and go on and create with this kind the same kind of vocabulary and doing it the present time with the present influence and the present lineup but go on and and keep the uh, keep the guys happy and smiling doing doing it still you know go on on stage after 40 years and kick ass you know totally uh, dude. Feeling. and continue writing new music as the product because like it could be a totally um, a money grab where what we're gonna bring another <laughs> where's the money <laughs> no i know i'm not saying with, okay so maybe not with voivod but i'm saying with a a, a project that has been going for a, a certain amount of time then a, a founding member passes on yeah now we're just gonna go and replace him and go and tour but no it, it became this new uh version of an old project that was wanting to go forward and still pay homage to what it was what it has been yeah you know and, and look forward and 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 go on you know and yeah it was a quite a transition just to to write music and put out an album and you know <laughs> i love that the money thing made you laugh so i did <laughs> oh, man, yeah where's the money <laughs> you know and when i think you know sometimes because musicians we try to we make a living you know playing music but we're we're not you know it's rare that you have a band like maiden or the, the rolling stones or you know the beatles or metallica it's most of most of the band's struggles you know most yeah. of the band have a hard time making a living but everybody enjoy playing music exactly. the rolling stone are still doing it because they love playing music right it's not because they need the, some renovation in their bathroom you know it's because <laughs> they love it <laughs> and that's the same for the band that has less money we love playing music and we're gonna yeah. play music the longest possible it's one of the the job that you can do for the longest time you don't yeah. retire from music yeah. you play music until you can't right right music. Totally, dude. Yeah. it's a labor of love and you know i managed to try to make a living out of it and uh and uh and i'm i'm uh you know uh, going to uh, i've been to school to have a to be able to to teach not not for that reason but it, mm -hmm. it made be able to teach in college and give private lessons and write and and compose and I managed to, uh, uh, I always had that in mind when I started, I, I don't want another job, you know? Yeah. And, and, but, uh, but the money grab thing, yeah, it, it always makes me laugh for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a tour real quick. We'll, we'll just mop it up. Anthony's all about money grabs, dude. It's, it's, I'm not at all. I'm just saying that that is a thing that does happen where, where, there could be a not a voivod, but I'm just saying. Bro, I'm going to say that word, voivod. 
We all know they, who you're talking can, about. Don't worry. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah. Pantera, motherfucker. Come on, man. You know, it, it just it, music. It music kinda... is first, man. I think if if people want to play, just play, just play. Yeah. No matter. That's what I'm saying. Like, if if yeah. we want to continue the project and and put new music out and 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 do all that, that's fine. But if you're just gonna go out on tour off of something that has already been a thing for you know before but the people have passed on then it just feels like how do you feel about kiss saying i would they would be happy if kiss continue without any original member kiss yeah yeah i yeah, i wouldn't i don't, that feels weird to me it just feels weird but actually kiss is some like image thing anyway so it doesn't really matter to be honest, I don't know what the other, what they look like. You know what's weird about Kiss is it's like a generational thing. It's like if you're like a certain year young, you like didn't ma match the Kiss thing. I'm not a Kiss connoisseur at all. I don't yeah, know nothing either. about Kiss. But there's some yeah. one sentence that I remember from Gene Simmons saying in an interview is the collective is bigger than the individual. Okay. I so, can see that to an extent. Yeah, and that stick to my mind. So anyway, what I think about it is uh, people should do whatever they want. <laughs> you know? yeah, and totally. people will go to see the show or not, and it's, that's their choice. Yeah, yeah. And, and we have market. the right to judge it <laughs> because yeah. we are human beings and human beings judge other people all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they do. <laughs> And it's that's true, why man. if I, there was a martyr show coming up right now with no none of the new members, I wouldn't go. <laughs> well, there you have your answer. Because <laughs> they probably they probably wouldn't be able to execute it as good. Oh, I used execute again. Fuck, man. <laughs> it's got to be like 10 times this episode I used the word execute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll judge it. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so after, uh, target earth, uh, we toured for a while and then, uh, uh, there was a certain tension in the band. And so, uh, Blackie decided to leave the band and, uh, I, uh, I called uh, a friend of mine from my hometown, Dominique Rocky Laroche, Dominique Laroche. We called him Rocky. Voivod mm -hmm. nickname, and uh, so he was uh, in the band. We started to play tour again, and his first show what is what at the hometown of Voivod in Jonquière as well. And uh, and the band continued, and we started to write again and do an EP with this lineup, and uh, it went really well. We toured with Napalm that Carcass. We did we did great tours. That was the wake. That was uh, the EP called We Are Connected. Oh, sorry. And then we worked on the full length. But we started to write for an album. But that, then we realized uh, we, we put out an EP. And then we realized we had to work again from the start to do The Wake. And then I got really involved in the writing process, uh, more than Target Earth. And, uh, and we jammed. We used the same kind of... Uh, jamming and recording but 
but then uh, I would bring back the recording home and uh, take the parts that I, well, we decided the parts that was interesting. I, I would map it on the computer and use mm -hmm. the natural speed of the drummer, natural tempo change. If, it, if the chorus was faster a little bit, I would leave it there. And if the verse comes back a little bit slower, I would leave it like that. And all the fluctuation of tempo, I would program it to make a click. Yeah. I would be used in the studio. So you keep the human feel. Mm -hmm. You keep the, the organic mm -hmm. thing. You, you're on a grid, but the grid is like this, right. quirky. You know, it's natural. So every time there's a drum fill, if there's a slight acceleration, I want to keep it. Because mm -hmm. that's the way he, he played it, and that brings something to the song that brings a little stress. So, because I'm so tired of all the grid bands, like all sure. square and all tighten up and all quantized, yeah. and there was a big, big tendency uh, since the last ten years or or more of editing everything, everything. I mean, it's it's almost like pop music with uh, all the singers in auto tune, yeah. you know, all the kicks in fucking uh, quantize yep. and, and <laughs> totally all that. It. Yep. It's not the real way to write. It's 100%, I mean, dude. It's it's a tool. It's a great De tool. Death metal has become the Ariana Grande. Of, like, <laughs> I think so. I really think so. Some bands, no, not all the bands, but it became something that yeah. you know you have to reproduce life afterwards and. You, live and uh not everybody is uh is up to the task but anyway i don't like the feel of it music for me is dynamic is organic there's a human feel to it it's not a, a computer thing so i really rediscovered that with uh with voivod with the groove in metal mm -hmm. the groove is really important and when yeah uh when the drummer kick is you know, on a beat is hitting harder on one beat and softer on the other. It has to to stay that way on the yeah, album. Like the so, dynamics, yeah, yeah. So uh, with that in mind, we worked around the the this with the jams and and we could uh, we could uh, also uh, f for the EP we played live together to record the basic tracks. Okay. So, yeah. So it helps a lot to get the feel, but it's not always possible with the schedule. So I tried to recreate this sure. kind of vibe by recording Ghost Track on the click track that was organically respected. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and that was the frame for the wake. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the end, uh, I did a little bit the same of when I did with Martyr on the last track of Warp Zone, with where I used all the main riffs and ideas and of every song and put it in one song rearranged and disguised hmm. uh i yeah. did the same at the last track of the wake where you know you could have a riff from one song with the baseline on of another part of another song with the lyrics of one song but but with the melody of the the lyrics from another song so it's kind of a puzzle yeah, interactive yeah. puzzle for the fan that really knows the album and he can discover and rediscover and go deeper at each listen sure discovering something new that he didn't catch at the first listen and that's something that i really uh, try to do when i write music like 
some citation here and there, some elements from that song is in that song too, but it's not in the same environment and it, it, it's in disguise, so to speak. So I don't want you to know, I want you to feel it. Mm -hmm. And mm. it makes the cohesion throughout the whole journey of an album, it helps to glue things together. Mm. And so I use that a lot in, in my writing and I try to, to really exploit it, uh, especially inside the, the same song. It can be a vocal part that becomes a guitar part. It can be a bass part, a dialogue between instruments. So yeah. we worked a lot on that. And when I I say it's ar architecture, that's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah, dude. And it, uh, I developed it's... this during the martyr years, but now I yeah, I feel like I, I'm just scratching the surface of where I want to what I want to achieve with with the with any music that I write with in collaboration with other. Yeah, uh, other band members uh, or in other other projects, and the last album was done that way too. Uh, but we didn't have the chance to jam together because of uh, uh, lockdown. So it was a lot of uh, time sitting right here uh, and uh, working on songs and arrangement in that mentality of conversation and dialogue and uh, complementarity between instrument. And I, I wrote a lot of. Uh, Sorry, on the last one, I wrote a lot of the bass tracks as well uh, that I recorded here, and Rocky plays it beautifully on the album, and he also uh, brought a lot of ideas to the album. So it was kind of a teamwork, but sometimes delayed, where uh, the songs were structured before entering the studio, and we haven't played them together ever before recording them. So... Uh, while recording them uh, a part was influencing another future part <laughs> but it was kind of a surprise and the liberty yeah. of writing is lessened because the information that is there is untouchable it's recorded it's there forever so you don't if you bring another idea that would lead somewhere else you cannot go back and change something because it's too costly and you don't have the same tone and sound and you cannot Mm -hmm. you know punch in punch out for this idea so <laughs> it was another kind of challenge <clears throat> really sure and yeah, yeah. Uh, but i'm jump jumping back and forth but for the song that i've wrote uh, the last song on the wake with all the themes from other or other songs it was a race against the clock and the drummer had finished all his track because he's a really fast uh, taker in the studio and uh, he was waiting for the song to arrive, you know, send files for him to record the drum part. So I was home and I had three days between a TV show, college teaching and, and the studio. So I managed to finish a 12 minute song <laughs> with all the thematic uh, here and there. And afterwards, when the album was almost done, the producer, uh, I mean, the, the guy who mixed and recorded the album, Francis Perron at Radicard Studio, uh, the same studio with it, the EP, The Wake, and Secro Anarchy. Look yeah. at me, and I think I hear some strings. And then I started hearing some strings, and I could not let go of that idea. Mm, so yeah. back at home, take my pencils out, my music sheets, and I started to write a string quartet arrangement for the ending of the album. 
yeah uh, which is uh, the one riff of another song called always moving so it fades in while the band fades out so it's mm. a crossfade with the string quartet and it's based on the same music but uh and that's something uh if i come back to the discussion that i would be able to do would have not been able to do sorry about my verbs in english if i didn't have those guidelines and rules from school that i've learned you know yeah yeah, yeah. And, and so uh it was the last minute we called the real players the cello player viola violin and we we recorded it and uh, it ends the album beautifully and fade out and then there's kind of a guitar uh popping out uh, from nowhere and creating stress <laughs> tension yeah. to to finish the album and the last last riff you hear on the wake is the is the same melody as the intro of synchro anarchy mm. it's the last melody on the bass uh, on the guitar but on a lower note i love that, that that's uh, that's the link to the the next album we're not the first one to do that but i like that kind of yeah when i say i details. love that i love i love where a band pays tribute to something they've done in the past and incorporated it into the new thing i've, I've heard it a few times but i always love it when when i hear that it's just a little easter egg for the yeah, long, yeah. the long that's time how, listeners you know that's how you call it in english right easter egg yep yeah ah, yeah i love it yep, when, yep. when i listen to Prague or whatever and i i i noticed that it's like yeah i really like it so i i wanted to use that trick too <laughs> yeah and uh so we toured a lot for the wake actually we we did a, a few uh world tour uh, we went to australia to japan uh we played a lot we had a good time and after a while it was time to yeah to write uh, the next album uh, it mm -hmm. was during the, the pandemic and the lockdown so it was different like i said uh, the approach to it yeah. mm -hmm. but uh it, it was uh, another kind of exercise uh, composition wise yeah mm -hmm. i i wish we uh, we will jam together for the next one <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah right. yeah but it, it really is cool to hear you say, you know, with with the output that we've seen from you over the last couple decades, you know, for you to say, oh, I'm just I'm just now scratching the surface on this, this and that. I forget what you were talking about, but I'm like listening to you talking. I'm like, he has been a guitar player and composer for this long. And he's like, oh, I'm just now figuring out this this and that yeah man that is what you would want though to get to that level and then be like oh no there's still so much more to learn it's infinite music something like music is infinite you yeah. never finish to learn life is like that yeah. i mean yeah and i think if you keep that curiosity and, and i think it's very good for the brain for longevity for uh, the uh, at some point when you get older the brain starts to uh, be rigid more rigid mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Huh? Uh, so it it's it, it helps to, i think it helps to uh, to keep it alive and uh, yeah. elastic <laughs> right right i hope so yep. anyway oh that's sick hell yeah so uh, yeah i think uh, 
I think it's in uh, each and every one of us. Uh, I agree have. with that too. I think that everybody's capable of getting to that point, but it just has to do with, um, you know, how many distractions you have in your life. Um, uh, how far are you willing to, to, um, push yourself? You know, there's so many adversities you can come across. There's so many, ex uh, resistances that can come across cross that journey and and it's all about you as an individual how much are you going to push through you know how how much of an extreme are you really going to push yourself to beat it mm. out mm. hashtag beat it out <laughs> so yeah. the thing dan and i i i think that's so cool about the way you like play music i mean just seeing you play live but like the way you write in your solos like there's like like a lot of soul and emotion to it along with the shred and all the crazy stuff like it's like a great balance like mm. I, I i feel like you're talking about feel you know like and then with with drumming it's the same thing it's like you know the best drummers have that feel you know so like it's just like um how, how do you think about that like i don't know like with your solos and stuff like solos um Solos is a very personal thing. Uh, it's a, like a signature, and uh, yeah, I think uh, as musicians, you start. You want to imitate your heroes. You want to imitate uh, in any ways uh, look, uh, riffing, sound. But uh, by doing this, you also build your own vocabulary by learning from this guy and this guy and this dear, and in this music and this band. And this becomes your own identity. And uh, at some point, I think if you really respect uh, that, uh, you will end up playing like yourself and no one else because you're not trying to be uh, some, someone else. But right. uh, I think it takes time and it takes uh, experimentation with, with, you know, when I was younger, I... I like I said, I transcribed the Jason Becker things and I wanted to really play like him. I And then I, I went, was into Steve Vai and then I was into Malmsteen and Satriani and I I wanted, I tried to sound like them. Yeah. But then all this practice is not lost because I developed great tools of technicality and sound and, mm -hmm. and texture. And so, and so when you forget about it, and you you do your own thing and you develop your own language it, it, sometimes i i play a lick and i know where it's from you know like that's that was steve Vai right there you know? right like, yeah yeah but i don't fight against it because it's it's part of of my influence uh, i hear uh, i i read alan allsworth allsworth is oh, a yeah. big influence on my exactly. playing yeah yeah totally uh, the thing that I developed a lot is the use of the whammy bar as an expression tool. To mm -hmm. I use it not to dive bomb or do crazy right. things, but I use it for most of my vibrato on the guitar, mm -hmm. and uh, and 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 to make the guitar sounds like a, a human voice feel, so to speak. So when I sometimes I pick my notes with the vibrato, uh, the, the the bar, the tremolo bar, mm -hmm. instead of picking it. Oh. 
Okay. I just scoop the nodes in with yeah. the, the with the tension of the string mm -hmm. just by scooping the nodes, and that feels really really smooth. And it, there's a quality of liquid quality to it that I really like, and it comes from Oldsword as well. I think that kind of vibe where I kind of try to float over the rhythm instead yeah. of being subdivided exactly yeah totally on the grid sometimes i do but because i it's the intention and the songs tell me suggest me to do it right but right. i really like to play uh in the crack of time so to speak okay. uh, in the, the crack of time dude yeah, like make it making it more elastic uh right yeah uh, like dali's clocks you know yeah 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 or it's like singers and stuff and it's like yeah it comes a little off and it's like yes yeah, this is the yeah and no, i got you dude exactly the stretches yeah. Sing, some singers are really good at it yeah 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 so uh, yeah That's it's cool. a human no, voice quality the, the, the phrasing uh, i try to anyway. oh i love all this dude this is great dude because this is where I really am. It's like I'm in the feeling aspect of it now, guys. We've been doing this for so long. It's, it's I just got to feel it. And and yeah. for somebody who can't speak this language, but I can understand it. I already said it. I love uh, that. That, that, fluid, yeah. that fluid thing that you guys are talking about. I'm like, that's where real shit happens. Everybody, everybody in every genre of music respects feel yeah you know like that's like for sure even in classical or whatever like there's the floating thing or whatever it's like it's just kind of like like, like saying classical the rhythm breathes as they say you know or like in you know pop and st or in latin stuff it's like it's all like on the you know on the beat but like yeah i don't know <laughs> there's so there's so many interpretations of time there's so many interpretation of time you know uh like there's an infinity <laughs> yeah yeah i was just about it's to say exactly a, dude <laughs> between a between uh one rhythm and the next one right there's yeah. an infinity of space and a drummer can play ahead of the beat behind the beat on the beat mm -hmm. but give 10 drummers different uh tracks and you have 10 different feel and Right. I think you have to not fight with it, but you know, play with this feel that you have. You, you, it's a conversation you have with other musicians. And uh, a way, by example, of Voivod is a little bit behind the beat, and I love it. Makes things every everything more right. heavy. Yeah. And I had a hard I had a hard time to adjust to that. Where whereas in Martyr it was pushing all the time right. like yeah. this. Mm. Yep. And when I started with Voivod, I was pushing while it was going behind, so there was a gap, uh, an infinite gap between our, right. our two rhythm. So I had to adjust my playing, and it, it took a, a bit of time, but. Uh, at, now i mean after all these years but at the beginning it was a, a challenge for me and i i it, it it learned me to relax more on the, the instrument and take it taking it easy you know not playing on it's the tip of my toes but on on my heels a little bit more it's kind of like tempo can be like a form of dissonance or something so it's like you know you have like you know obviously melodic dissonance like that creates tension in the music it needs to be resolved but like if you're like pushing tempo it's kind of like 
like tension. It's right? a distortion of time. Like and then you, you and then you resolve it like on a laid back approach to the tempo. Yeah, you can yeah. play with it, of course. Yeah. 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 It's very Weird. interesting to do. We have a few songs, maybe two songs that they're on the a new album with a big acceleration, but slowly and uh, and it gets mm -hmm. crazier crazier it goes to a plateau and then it slowed down right. we played with that and uh, we don't hear it much in metal but uh some yeah. from time to time anyway but uh i really like that that elasticity possibility with with time and uh i think we can e explore it more elasticity possibility dude is another good dude <laughs> we're almost three hours in and you yeah, guys are getting me thinking like a stoner like a motherfucker just getting right started i'm like i'm like dude uh, to play with the elasticity of time through music so like you're you're manipulating the perception of time to the listener if you <laughs> battle forge coffee <laughs> no for real you you uh you are manipulating somebody else's perception of time while listening to your music you know you can slow down time or speed it up for them through perception as they listen to your music yep is that amazing it's amazing dude it really blows my mind that that, that it's it's better than any other hypnotist bullshit that they're trying to fucking push. <laughs> you know, it's like, I actually have the power right now. I'm going to change your perception of time through my art that you're going to ingest through your eardrums, dude. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> ah, I love it, dude. I love that. I, I really do love that. And, and I, I feel smarter now. Just to, <laughs> I feel like 0.01%. Well, music is <laughs> invisible. It, it's, a, it's it's fucking sine waves, you know? It's, right. it's you need cool. air, you, cool. you need vibration, and you need you need a receptor and and a transmitter. Yeah. You know, when you think about it, it's pretty it's it's pretty amazing that we can forge it into a shape it into something you know from yeah. thin air mm -hmm. yeah and, and 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 transmit it and it's received and appreciated or not but it amazes me it does dude. it's an inv invisible architecture it's an invisible architecture oh, okay so are you into cinematics or somatics i think it's called somatics Cymatics i don't know i don't know what i'm doing it, it, it's <laughs> about like 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 sound waves like creating shapes like in nature it's like sand like it's turns yeah yeah, yeah. A geometric shape like based on the sound waves through sound yeah so like sound waves like create like geometric structures in nature it is it's 3d you know it's it's a uh, yeah it, there is shape to sound it, what if you don't sounds see like it but there is what if it's like rearranging our brains like what if like sound waves yeah, are actually definitely like is correcting like malformed paths directing or ink or they're making malfunctions too i mean are it's like if music is a drug it's like that same thing like you know like there's certain things you like i don't know like it it enhances like things like with your brain you know so i don't know I don't, professor you got a five minute uh, yeah. spiel on that dude yeah, let's bring that 
bring back Joseph to explain. <laughs> it, Joseph, is music a drug? <laughs> uh, it depends on what you mean by drug, but could well, be. Yes. You're definitely addicted to music as a drug. I mean, Everybody like, is, right? I mean, like, as like movies are a drug, or you know, like, like hypothetically, like, you know. Have you Obviously okay? Do we, like, oh, it's like a drug you do. Well, but, I mean, you guys are from a different position. Metaphorically, one was just talking about being in, you know, being a teacher and composer and all that, where you need the time away. But is that you guys mainlining it? And then, <laughs> exactly, yeah, you <know, laughs> you're mainlining it all day, and that's where you're like, you need a little break. So, for like the normal pop population where uh you you aren't a teacher you're not a composer and you just love music that literally is just injecting heroin into your veins dude i'll i'll just say that the only time i don't feel like leaving me uh, listening to music is coming back from like band practice like death metal band practice yeah but after a day of music teaching i'm down to listen to music that i wasn't teaching which is right listening to metal but yeah the only time i get burnt out on listening to music is after i've played it for like three plus hours otherwise i'm cool with still listening uh even after a day's worth um but that's because it's a variety so you know i've come from teaching like merely had a little lamb i'm down to throw on some cognitive or whatever you know um but i mean yeah i mean the effects of music on on like the brain specifically like as a neurological structure are studied yeah um Music is one of the deepest uh, things to impress upon the brain. I mean, my grandma could continue to play piano into her like mid late nineties, even after she Mine too. couldn't remember anything yep. about her own life. She had dementia, but she could still play piano, and that's a very, very Whoa. common phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So music leaves some of the deepest impressions on us in general, and sure. and so music just like everything else is like encoded in our brains in patterns we don't quite understand, but they're, they're deep patterns that we can access even after we've lost a lot of other memories. So I guess that's, wow, that's the answer. I, I didn't know. I, that's a great answer. Cause I, I've just learned something. I didn't know that you can basically forget your whole life, but your, your uh, ability to, play an instrument can still stay intact that's crazy bro and i mean um i think oliver Sacks has a book on this too but not only that it actually improves the rest of your cognitive function so after playing music you're better able to remember things you wouldn't remember after before Mm. playing it so it kind of lights things up again so oh okay so like being able to still having having the skill of playing an instrument could possibly fight against like dementia and absolutely. alzheimer's and shit literally wow, yeah dude. yeah absolutely well it's the it's a stimuli a stimulus stimulant yeah stimulant music is like that so i mean uh it's good for the brain for sure i i hope so i guess <laughs> <laughs> it's been proved well so, most music so we think so we think you know basically some music is bad for your brain yeah. <laughs> like that's why but that music's more fun but anyway no um <laughs> um but, well 
Shit. I want to go yeah. listen to. Some I I, I hope right we now. can go play uh, near you uh, soon. We're planning to go the to the the West Coast. Uh, we're trying to uh, organize something, so uh, I hope we can all meet. Uh, awesome. Uh, in the in reality, in another oh. reality, another we'll infinity. Yes. Yeah, and, yeah, and not, not, yeah, physical reality. If yeah. you come to Los Angeles, I'll be there. All right. Happy to meet you. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Awesome. I'll I'll get a signed martyr CD from you. I would love that. Dude. Yes. My awesome. pleasure. Yeah. Well, dude, this has yeah. been great. And um and you're a legend. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. You are such a legend to us, dude. <laughs> like I, I know you're giggling at it, but hey, dude, you I'm are to us. You. you are to and a lot of we, people. We we listened to Martyr many times. I, I had the tabs to some of Warp Zone songs and I learned really? those songs. Yeah, I totally learned a bunch of your riffs and wow. I, loved, I loved that that material still. I mean, That's I love so cool. a lot of your discography. But uh, yeah, that you were a big influence on me wanting to play this style of music. So That's incredible. I, yeah, I appreciate dude. it. I, I, it means a lot to me, guys. And, 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 and but hey, think... where the hell so is... Sorry, where, why is Martyr not on Spotify? You know what? Because I have control on it, and no label makes me do it, so I won't do it. Okay. Okay. Because well, I'll uh, just, I have. Them, I don't. I, I, them. I don't agree with this platform or or other platform of streaming. I can see why. I, I think my music yeah. worth more than that. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. And I prefer to have uh, a fair price for it. I would give it away more, you know, more than put it on on Spotify. I prefer it to be stolen than I pretend got, to be paid. I got really mad respect for that, you know. Yeah, I if appreciate you, that respect. If you have, if you have control yeah. of your catalog, you know, not like us, but if you have control of your catalog, you do however you want to do. It's on Bandcamp. And it's, it's available on my website, danmongrain.com. Yeah. You can buy, there's a few vinyl left, but they're all pretty gone. And the, the CDs are still available for a while until it's sold out. You know? And I just, I fucked up on this episode because I literally am now three hours into this, realizing that I didn't do the plug session in the beginning. I like to do it in the beginning too for everybody. But um, Dan, where do you want, <laughs> yeah. Where do you want uh, people to go to support you on come the, to the show? Come to the show. Um, you know, uh, I have I have a website, uh, danmongrain.com. I give guitar lessons, not now, but I, I give private lessons there. Uh, there's some Martyr merch on there. I will reprint the tab book. I'm working on it, the Martyr tab book, music book. And I may reprint some shirts uh, this year. I'm thinking about it. I'm really busy, so it takes time. Yeah. And uh, when we go on tour, come come to see us, and uh, we'll have a good chat. And uh, you know, yeah. keep the scene alive. You know, dude. And, uh, thanks for doing this, guys. You know, well, yeah, very important in the in the Thank chain. Thank you, dude. Oh, yeah, because you could I, I, just play in a band and not caring and you do this for your yeah. own pleasure but it's really important in in, in the scene and the community in well the yeah. dude i would i would love to see you back out in the states i'll you you are 
a legend and i would love to catch you so you're one of my favorite guitar players of all time wow thank you so much guys absolutely yeah. this is this, we're not just saying it for the show yeah. dude that's you're in my real top deal. 10 I'll tell you that <laughs> wow. that's real deal dude you were doing oh, you were doing you, when feeding came out it was like another one of those spawn of possession necrophagist situations where we're like yeah. oh dude things just got leveled up again guys you know <laughs> oh, 100%, yeah it really was like that dude and and i'm glad that you spent your time with us and gave us your story because it was an interesting story and we'd love to always have you back on too dude anytime in the future yeah, yeah absolutely new yeah. things are happening we'd love to have you back on dude yeah it would be my pleasure guys it's been a a great evening uh you're, you're three hours earlier than me i think it's midnight yeah, i know it's, it's a quarter past midnight now <laughs> i am so teaching tomorrow for... morning so yeah. uh, thank you morning. so much for your time dude, that was yeah, dude thank guys. you for yeah. sacrificing all that yeah. for us to get this going, <laughs> it was really dude. fun thanks a yeah. lot and i hope to see you uh, in the near future and when there's more news uh with the band and all that i'll come back for sure Sounds oh, yeah, dude. Oh, and, and 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 uh, all the best with everyone's projects and and life and uh, best wishes. Keep creating, dude. That's all yes. we want, dude. Just Thanks, keep Andrew. creating, dude. All right, real quick, battleforgecoffee.com. Go get your coffee. Help out the homies. I didn't do it in the beginning. I'm sorry. I love you guys. All right, we'll see you next week, Dan. Thank you so much, dude. You that was awesome, cool, Dan. Dude. You rule awesome. so much, dude. And yeah. and bump some fucking voivod right now guys Fuck yeah right. dude literally yeah. love you guys and we'll see you next week Cheers. all right peace